Daniel Craig's James Bond was a natural evolution for the character, giving us a Bond with a brutal physicality and a vulnerable core. Let's go over Daniel Craig's era as James Bond 007. Hello, movie friends. Welcome back to another episode of Raiders of the Lost Podcast, the ultimate film and TV podcast. And today we are breaking down Daniel Craig's era as 007. I love Daniel Craig. I remember seeing Casino Royale. I was 15, 14 years old, and it was absolutely incredible. Mind-blowing stunts. And we were fans of Pierce. Pierce Brosnan. Was a great Bond. I he was, watched, yeah. I watched Tomorrow Never Dies the other night, and he was fantastic. He was just done under by very mediocre scripts and kind of boring villains for the most part. In the superhero stunts, like yeah. it's ridiculous how far they went with the surf, the surfing sequence, and that, and whichever <laughs> movie that was, as well as the cliff dive, jump off the dirt bike, skydiving, yeah. skydiving into a plane, pulling the plane up in front of the mountains. A bit much, but so fun. He was really great as Bond. Excellent. I mean, I, I'm thinking he might have been better than Craig if it was. They're if different. His movies were better. They're different. The thing is, yeah. with every James Bond, they've all brought something good to the character, something new to yeah. the character. They're all unique to their eras. That's why when whenever people talk about Daniel Craig's Bond is the best, it's, you gotta not forget the past. Everyone's brought something new to the role. You also have to have a subjective and co- subjective context of the era that those movies came out in. And this version of Bond this century was a natural evolution of the character. And But one of the biggest weaknesses with Brosnan was the fight sequences. Their fights are p- terrible. It's just like haymakers and punches the whole time. So that's where its weakest part was, whereas Daniel Craig's era, Broccoli and company, they're like, we need to make Bond now that Jason Bourne's been out for uh, five years. Like This is like a direct uh, reflection of Jason Bourne of the modern action films, there were a few others that like Jason Bourne, but that was like the big one. Action films were changing. The spy film was changing. The espionage film was changing. And also, cinema was embracing realism and grittiness. The old James Bond movies wouldn't have worked for that. So they had to reinvent it for the way that cinema in the action genre was changing. And in a lot of ways, Craig's Bond helped redefine this genre shift the action's propulsive. I mean, starting Casino Royale with that amazing parkour chase. Parkour! Hardcore parkour. Parkour! That was just like, holy fuck, nobody had ever seen anything like that in a Bond film before. Not on that kind of scale, that quality of stunt work. I mean, I'm not stunt work, but just like the realism of the action and the fight sequences and the chases and seeing like the struggle of it. There was always a campiness to the big action sequences of previous Bond films. But now you're seeing like a gritty Bond in a realism kind of setting, and Daniel Craig really brought that physicality. But like you said in the opening, he brought that emo- vulnerable emotional core that really lets the audience connect to him in a way that we've never been able to connect to Bond before. If anyone's wondering, this handgun in my hand right now, it's fake. It's a prop. It's a prop, yeah. It's a prop gun. We use this on our short film, so don't worry. This is not That's a real gun. That's an official Midnight Ruin prop. <laughs> you can purchase it for $6,000. A- <laughs> yeah, well, just going off, that what makes Bond, Craig's Bond, different or unique from other Bonds, the brutal physicality, I think, is number one. It's mm-hmm. on the surface as well as the fight sequences, like you said, and the strength of Bond. You know, he ha- he looks the part of a super spy, of a secret agent, kind of the Jason Bourne aesthetic. Just the way that Daniel Craig just transforms his body to just this massively shredded guy for James Bond, just insanely strong, but the brutal force, the fight sequences are terrific, as well as Beneath all that, he's protecting this vulnerable soft core. 
And this is the first time really that, not the first time, but one of the few times where James Bond actually falls in love. Twice. Daniel Craig's Bond falls in love twice in this saga. Uh, Timothy Dalton's Bond, I believe he's his Bond falls in love as well. Or is it Lansby's? I can't I'm not remember. sure. I think it's it's Lansby's at the end, and then um, for Her Majesty's Secret Service, mm-hmm. right? That's the one where he also falls in love with that one. But Bond falls in love twice for Daniel Craig's era. We also have, like you said, a little more realistic tone, grounding in realism, just like you said, action cinema is embracing. I mean, Batman Begins Dark Knight embracing that as well, kind of changed the action genre, like you said, as well as a darker tone than other Bond films. Timothy Dalton's pretty dark, but this just took it to a new level. And then blonde hair, blue eyes. Daniel Craig does not look like the description of Ian Fleming's character, as well as he's not exactly the traditionally handsome kind of leading man for a role like this because all the other Bonds, tall, dark, handsome, dark hair, dark eyes. Suave. Exactly. But Daniel Craig, blonde hair, blue eyes, still a a good-looking guy, a handsome guy, but not like the traditionally subjective opinion of what was handsome for the past in a lot of ways, but still a good-looking guy. Like Janice is a huge fan of... Of Daniel Craig, our Craig's mom. a great looking guy. Yeah, he's a handsome yeah. guy, handsome motherfucker. He's less of a womanizer mm-hmm. because in Casino Royale, he does sleep with a woman to get information and get closer to a target. However, that obviously ends in her death. And I feel like he after- actually doesn't sleep with her. Oh, he almost, yeah. He, oh, he doesn't. He you're right. That, you're right. But he still uses her to get yeah. close oh, to yeah, information. Yeah. And I believe, I feel like after that sequence and after that movie, Bonds really stopped doing that to put people in danger that really. Didn't have to be there. Well, Spectre, he does a couple of times. Uh, the Monica Bellucci sequence, he sleeps with her for... There's really no plot reason for him to sleep with it's her. It's just Monica Bellucci. It's because, you know, there are there are trademarks to Bond that if you don't get them in there, the fans aren't going to be happy. And there, there are facets to Bond and what makes a Bond film um, that you, you get to throw these little nuggets in. It's like the DNA of Bond. And uh, one of the reasons why Quantum of Solace was such a mediocre uh, muddled mess was because it didn't even feel like a bond film yeah it just felt like an action movie and it felt like honestly kind of like a born movie uh way too much like that whereas it whereas you look at no time to die in inspector did a good job of harkening back to the things that fans loved about the originals the gadgets the romance uh the womanizing those elements are there. Obviously, it's done in a better context for the most part. But there are things that you, the eccentric villain, you need these things. And that's why Quantum of Solace just doesn't – it honestly feels out of place because even Matthew Almerich's villain, uh, Dominic Green, is kind of just like plain villain. Like it's not just that a guy. bad. Yeah. You're going to have – the other characters. You, ha- you have to have an interesting-looking villain uh, and make them eccentric in some way. Every Bond villain is defined by like a physical thing. And in these in these films, you get Le Chiffre with the bleeding eye, and then you get uh, Dominic Green with nothing, so that was kind of out of place. Then we get Blofeld with the scarred eye, Zaffin with the skin de- skin disease from the poison he he took when he was a kid. Skyfall, we get Silva with the deformed face, and it's kind of just a requirement that they should have some kind of physical ailment to them or some kind of strange look to them for them to feel like a Bond villain. Match their eccentric personalities, yes, something yeah. eccentric on the surface mm-hmm. as well. Uh, it's kind of like a madness on the outside, madness on the inside kind of thing. Bond in Daniel Craig's era is obviously emotionally damaged. We explore his past. Obviously, in Skyfall, we go back to Scotland, his roots, his home that he grew up in, as well as, you know, we have a license to kill, but a license to be vulnerable, Anthony. A license to be vulnerable. 
Let your emotions out, James. <laughs> Let them out. But Bond does show many sequences of true fear. A lot of the past Bond films, like you said, especially Pierce Brosnan, he's never really afraid. You know he's going to win in the end, and even though some of the sequences are very intense and end-of-the-world kind of sequences. High stakes, yeah. yeah. big stakes stuff. You never really see true fear on a lot of the past Bonds, but almost every film in Daniel Craig's era, he does experience true fear multiple times, as well as he's less of a superhero. He's still insanely strong, and obviously the stunt work is exceptional, better than most human beings for sure. But in terms of the crazy feats, like I said, of Pierce Brosnan jumping off a cliff off a dirt bike and then skydiving <laughs> into a plane that's falling, falling without a pilot, pulling it up, things like that, the suspension of disbelief is less grand. It is grounded in the in the Craig ones. And in terms of obviously he's he's not a superhero, but I like to think of Bond, especially these Bonds. He's like he, he's like an eight genetic specimen, like an, a professional athlete who was just uh, born with a better physicality than ninety nine point nine percent of people. Like it's a good way to put it, yeah. Because like their adeptness of hand eye coordination, their strength, their their physical traits. It's just born within them, and then they build upon those, and then they become the greatest athletes alive. I like to think of Craig's bond like that. Like, he would have been a professional football player or something if he played a sport. That's how incredible he is with his physicality. It's more like that's why he's excelled as an agent because he is that 0.01% of human beings. However, you don't have to have a fit, be a physical genetic specimen because obsession can beat talent in exactly, a yeah. lot of the time. Oh, yeah, for sure. So I think Bond's a combination of obsession with talent, yeah, innate he, abilities. He has the, the motivation and the will to, and the drive to want to be a double O. He, act, he enjoys being a double O. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Now, the way Craig was cast, a lot of people assume it's because of Lair Cake. Lair Cake was a great British crime film in which he played a very suave criminal, very cool, very Bond-ish. Looks good with a gun in that movie. However, that's not why he was cast. So many critics believe 2004 that role got him the part for James Bond, thinking it was like an audition piece. However, Barbara Broccoli debunked that. So she said that she went to visit the set of a film he was making where he was playing a priest. So it was the film Elizabeth with Cate Blanchett, where Cate Blanchett played Elizabeth, and he played a Jesuit priest. And she says, I quote, I remember thinking, oh my God, he's the guy. When he was in Elizabeth just walking down the corridor, I know that sounds crazy, but that was the moment I felt in my gut that he was right. When your whole life is about James Bond, some part of you is always looking for who could play the next one. Daniel just eats up the screen. He's truly a remarkable actor. And so after that, they offered Craig the role. Daniel Craig wasn't sure about taking on the role of Bond. He was a fan of Bond, but he was a, he's a very private guy. And he doesn't he's always been pretty uh, resistant to big profile roles. And he does a lot of theater, too. However, they sent him the script 
and he was shocked by the script, and he said that this screenplay for Casino Royale hit all the beats that he would have wanted in a James Bond adaptation in a modern context. And then there was a there was a line he said that made him say yes to the script. It was the scene where a bartender asked him uh, what he wanted to drink, and Craig goes, I'll have a vodka martini. And the bartender asks, shaken or stirred? And then Bond says, do I look like I give a damn? <laughs> but in the script it said, does it look like I give a fuck? And so for that for that line to be in there, that's when Craig said, this is different. And this is something I can commit my next almost 20 years of my life to because it's really suiting what I had in mind for this character. And then he invents the Vesper Martini, R.I.P. Vesper. Not bad. Really terrific stuff. And Daniel Craig has it, the factor, you know, whatever you call it for the James Bond character. You know, there's a lot of things that have to, you know, time well for an actor to get a role like this. You have to be the right age. He's in what, in his mid-30s when he got Casino? Yeah, I think it was 30. Four, early to mid 30s yeah. when he got a casino royale as well as you have to have the talent and he's clearly very skilled a lot of people i think just discovered more about daniel craig as he was acting in the bond films plus to see him do great roles like in knives out just to ex- just extend his dragon tattoo dragon tattoo too My yeah God. he's a terrific actor and a lot of people didn't really know that because they just knew him in bond but he really is especially no time to die he is acting his ass off in skyfall as well but he's just got the cool he's got the charisma he's got the insane confidence that that's kind of like a god innate born thing is just to have that ridiculous amount of confidence that not a lot of people have like robert downey jr level <laughs> confidence well it's funny you say that because i saw an interview it was mads mickelson and daniel craig it was a filmed zoom call with them too and they were re- reminiscing about casino royale and they actually helped work on their characters and write the scripts for their scenes. They actually came up with the torture scene together, him and Maz. And then, Everyone's going to know you done scratch my balls. <laughs> <laughs> and Martin Campbell actually said that. They said that Martin Campbell was like, let's not go too far, guys, because they had even more crazy ideas <laughs> more than that. And so they were talking about it. And, and Craig said, Matt said, you looked like you were just like in it and like you were really focused and he wasn't Daniel Craig apparently wasn't like very social on set and Craig said it's because I was shitting myself every day <laughs> <laughs> I mean I, I would be too man so he said he did it he must he did a great job hiding his fear and his anxiety because it's I mean growing up in in that part of the world I mean Bond is such an important figure to the culture you don't want to be the guy that messes it up so I'm sure that he felt a lot of pressure in the role which is probably why he was reluctant to take it on in the first place as well. But he said he was he was scared to death every day, and he was worried that he was messing it up. And he's in five James Bond films. Four of them, I think, are really good. Three are excellent. I mean, we have Casino Royale, which mm-hmm. I put in the excellent category. And then we have Quantum of Solace, which I think is good, but, you know. You think that's really good? No, well, I guess What's not. the <laughs> Okay, so it's just good. So three excellent, two okay, or... We'll go through. Well, we have a rank. Let's do a ranking. Well, yeah, okay. But so, I'm going chronologically. Okay. So Casino Chron- Royale, yes. Quantum of Solace, and then we have Skyfall, which is superb. Then we have Spectre, and then No Time to Die, which I think is excellent. So those are the five Bond films in chronological order. Okay, so I have a bunch of ranking lists for Craig's Bond movies. Let's start with film ranking. What's your ranking, uh, worst to best? Worst to best. So worst is clearly Quantum of Solace, and then I'm going to go Spectre at number four. And then I'm going Casino Royale at number three. Wait, no. Yes, Casino Royale at number three. I know I'm ruffling feathers right now. Skyfall at number two. And then No Time to Die, Baby, at number one. Number one. That's my favorite Bond 
I've seen wow. all of them like three or four times at least. Well, you you watch a lot of movies. Well, man. I mean, because No Time to Die just came out in 2021, asshole. But I I don't. <laughs> I just want people to know that like I love No Time to Die. I thought the movie was amazing. My ranking is pretty similar. I have Quantum of Solace at five. At number four, I have Spectre. At number three, I have Casino Royale. At number two, I have No Time to Die. And then at number one, I have Skyfall. I think Skyfall is just flat out perfect. It's just perfection. It's, it's really Silva is a superior villain than Saffin. So that's why I give it the edge. Well, objectively, I think Skyfall is the best James Bond movie mm. ever made. Just mm. from an objective perspective, not just what's my favorite. I think it's the most artistic action movie of the century. And I think it's just sensational I, filmmaking. It's so well done. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I, I do love Casino Royale. Casino Royale was my favorite for a while, but then I watched it again three weeks ago. It's still ex- excellent. I, I, it's 9 out of 10. 9 out of 10. However, I do think the second half is quite slow. Told you, man. But it's not just the the honeymoon in, in, in yeah. Venice. It's the entire second half of the film is quite slow. Because I rewatched it like two years ago, yeah. and I felt the same thing. It was always like top one, two for me. Mm-hmm. And then I rewatched Casino Royale. The first hour is great. awesome. And great. It's awesome. If it maintained that kind of speed and... That pacing for the rest of the film, it would have maintained the and number it, one status. It does slow down a little bit for sure. So that's where it loses me. But the thing with Casino Royale is what I love about Daniel Craig's saga is it all connects to the first film, especially when you end with No Time to Die. Having Vesper throughout the entirety of the saga, really, mm-hmm. for for as a backdrop, a motif post her death. Yes. And just a haunting presence in Daniel Craig and James Bond's life of him not being able to move on past Vesper until he meets Madeline. It's really powerful and you never really saw that. In I'd, Daniel, I'd forget in about Bond. Vesper with uh, Madeline. <laughs> <laughs> but also I would be haunted by the death of Vesper as well because yeah, Ava Green. <laughs> it's, uh, they also set up Spectre in the first film. Yeah. They don't say it by name but they do mention a secret organization a couple of times and then Mr. White is definitely a connection to Spectre that we get from day one. Yeah, Mr. White! Yeah, Mr. White! <laughs> You're Mr. Orange. You're and you're Mr. Mr. Pink. Pink. <laughs> My way or the highway. <laughs> so we have the same, similar rankings. Um, but yeah, I think Skyfall is just too special of a movie. Uh, and it really, I think, they needed Skyfall to do well because Quantum of Solace was... Quantum of Solace is just not that good of a movie at all. It was a letdown. It absolutely It was. has some cool action sequences. has an interesting idea for a villain's plan of buying water re- reservoirs. Uh, however, it's just... Man, that movie... It's not great, and it's actually not completely the fault of the filmmakers. This film was made during the writer's strike of 2006. So it was actually Daniel Craig and director, um, what the fuck's his name? I can't, uh, Mike Forrester, uh, the guy who made the Heath Ledger, Billy Bob Thornton movie, uh, Monsters Ball. He, he directed this film, Mark Forrester. Sorry, it took me a second to get up to me. Um, they were making over the writer's strike, so they were writing the screenplay themselves. As they were shooting. And then Sam Mendes took over for Skyfall, which was yes. a terrific choice. And then Sam Mendes, just as a, one of the best uh, directors from the UK, working today and of all time, he's made some incredible, incredible films, a couple of uh, great films of the last century. And then Skyfall is just a, a wonderful film. And he, he knows like the craftsmanship in that film, and then also the craftsmanship of Spectre is amazing. Yeah, but the thing with Spectre is that film... I was disappointed with, especially when we were watching in oh, theaters. Yeah. I remember the theater experience. Within an hour, I think we turned to each other like, what is going it's on? Slow. Is anything going to happen? This is a Bond I movie actually, right now? Yeah, I watched it last night just because I'd only seen it twice. And I was like, I need to get a sense for this movie again. It's the only one I've seen twice. I've seen everything else um, at least five times. So I'm very familiar with the other films. But, but Spectre, I was like, I need to get another watch of this. And I was like, 
an hour and a half into this movie, I was like, there's still an hour left? Yeah, I think the problem with Spectre is they focus too much on the first 20 minutes because obviously the Dia de Muerto sequence is incredible. Yeah. That long take, That's the great. one take in that, in that opening is absurd, but that took a lot of resources and probably like a month to film. Yeah. Not to mention, I feel like Blofeld, he's a good character, but you know, he's brought back from the past of James Bond. Yes. Maybe if they didn't bring both Blowfield back, maybe come up with somebody else, a new kind of character, maybe. But it's still, I guess, it's just a name change, really. Well, so this let's lead into the biggest problems list with Craig's Bonds, just because let's get some drama. Yeah, in let's, here. Get, let's get let's because we're gonna we're gonna let's gonna, get juicy. There's gonna up be a in lot. Here. Of, there's gonna be a lot of love. So let's get to the let's get to the T right now. Love. So Blofeld is one of the, so these are the biggest problems with the Craig films. So Blofeld, uh, they wrote him as being related to Bond, being an adoptive brother to James. For me, when that was really revealed in Spectre, I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Out of left field. I was like, Out come of left on. Field. We don't need These that. These two pieces in this world-changing event, the two big pieces, they're, they were related. Like, what, what are, are the, the odds? What are the odds? Sure, Blofeld, the mastermind, but James Bond becoming a Super double assassin, O. Like, like, what are the odds of that? It's, it was just like, it ruined it because Blofeld was never related to Bond in the other films. And I do think Kristoff was a great Blofeld, and... The character was improved in the sec in the sequel. Yes, absolutely. No time to die. It was a lot better. Of a Much character. better, even yeah. though he's in a prison cell the whole time. Still, great scene. Yeah, great scene. But even just his voice in multiple sequences. Yes. And then the torture scene, Inspector was like, "What is going on here? Why not just fucking kill the guy?" It was all just it was Blofeld did not work, Inspector whatsoever. Then having like that uh, that scavenger hunt through the MI6. I hate the third act, man. Like, I, I do not like, like the third James act of Spectre. Arrows pointing in the right... Like, like, so wait, the whole time when you've been having James chase you, you guys ran to this abandoned building, set up all these arrows and X's, and, and you set up the scavenger hunt for <laughs> him to come here and just and look up, look around? Like, I was like, this is what you've been doing the last four hours? Whose idea was this? It was, like, it's I, terrible. I like to picture, like, Blofeld with his guys. No, no, the X needs to be that way. The arrow needs to point in that Did direction. Did you get the spray paint? Yeah. <laughs> Did you get the spray paint? What? Did you get green? Did you get green? Okay. <laughs> I asked for red. <laughs> As for a Ferrari cake, not an accurate cake. <laughs> <laughs> so Blofeld Spectre just does not work. Okay. However, I do have a bigger problem with the Daniel Craig Bond films, and it happens in Casino Royale. James Bond drives a fucking Ford Focus in Casino Royale. It's not sexy. Come on! A Ford Focus? Not sexy at all. He should not be driving. I don't I know he's trying to blend in. I know he's just trying to be like, hey, I'm on vacation. James Bond does not drive Ford Focuses. No fucking way. It's never gonna happen. This is the one. This is the biggest problem in any of the Craig films is driving a fucking Ford Focus. I bet Ford paid some money for that. Get a fucking rental Mercedes at the very least. Yeah, not yeah. a Focus. An Audi. An Audi blends in really well. James Bond driving like a soccer mom's car. I just can't do it. It's, what's funny is we had a Ford Focus when we were sixteen. Yeah, and we're not James Bond, yeah, so it's fine. True, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> so that was uh, that's the biggest problem. They, that's the biggest issue I have with the Craig Bond movies. There are a couple others. I will say that when it comes to being a spy, not a ton of spying going on, especially in the later films, because he's really just turned kind of into an action hitman, which I get that's the way the action genre was transforming for the last 20 years. And I also understand that majority of spying in this century is all digital and technological based. So a lot of the spying is done on computers. So we don't really need and I think Q says it best in Skyfall you know I get more done before I finish my breakfast than you My first do. cup of Earl Grey. Yeah but however sometimes a trigger needs to get pulled. Yeah. So I think that's a great explanation of what James Bond's been transformed into in this century of being just a bludgeoned, a hand, a gun 
for a lot of the time as well. Some spy stuff here and there a little bit, but really the thing about Bond in this era is he's always just jumping into situations like, yo, I'm Bond, I'm here. Yeah, exactly. And everyone like, oh yeah, that's James Bond, yeah. He just, he just says his name all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the guy. It's me. <laughs> it's me. Like Casino Royale, like everyone knows who he is. Le Chiffre knows who he is. Or is it Mr. Bond? I'm confused. Doesn't fucking matter, bro. I'm we still gonna that, stop we, you. Wouldn't want that now, would we? <laughs> Uh, so he. What I mean is that that's not so much a con. It's just kind of an understanding of the way the yeah. the world, the cinema's changing. I will say a con to many of the Craig films, and they they fixed it in a couple of them. Not enough gadgets. Bond is famous for his gadgets, and the first three films very minimal amounts of gadgets. What's the are there even gadgets in Quantum of Solace? Well, so? Casino Royale, uh, Quantum of Solace, he has he does have a really solid gadget. It's the Sony Ericsson phone. Whenever he takes a photo, yes. it's the facial recognition. Yes. That's yeah. a pretty solid gadget. Yeah, okay, I'll yeah. give you that. Yeah. But I mean, Casino Royale, we have the portable defibrillator, which is <laughs> plot. That's plot. I mean, that's plot armor. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's fun. That's the gadget. That's the gadget, though. Because they were like, I remember, I believe the conversation amongst them where it was, we're not going to be going to have cheesy gadgets. We're going to, this is going to be nitty gritty. This is like the new James Bond. No gad, no silly well, some gadgets. gadgets, but it has to be relevant to the plot. You know, it has to it be. It always reason. is. It's not just to be campy and fun because is. many of the gadgets in the past are campy and fun, but that was part of the gadgets, the, the gizmos. It's a blast. Yeah, but then they made some in the latter films. We got the gadgets back. Yes, we and I think back. Skyfall was a great kind of meta example of getting the gadgets in there, but very old school because mm -hmm. we, you know, we're going underground basically with MI6. Yeah. And we have the walkie, the the, the radio, basically, the that he has. The, the little radio. The little mini yeah. radio that Q gives him. Uh, latest out of Q. <laughs> it's radio. As well as the handprint gun is awesome. Yeah, handprint gun's great. As well as then, so Spectre, we get the exploding Omega watch, yes. which is an awesome gadget. Plus, okay, radio transmitter. That's what I was trying to say. And then No Time to Die, tons of gadgets, especially the car gadgets. Yes. We have the machine guns and the headlights. We have the little exploding things that come out of the, the bottom to yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, bombs. The blow cars up, yeah. as well as smoke. Yes. And No Time to Die also he has the EMP wristwatch, which is great. Yeah, he uh, he showed him to his friend and blew his mind. It's <laughs> <laughs> a primo. <laughs> but also, we do get the car gadgets in No Time, in uh, Spectre. Yeah. When, when Mr. Hinks, played by Dave Bautista, is chasing him. He does the rear fire exhaust, and he also it's like a, it's an ejector seat with a parachute that we get in Spectre. Um, but that's what we want. It doesn't have to be cheesy, but we need the gadgets. You gotta think, have them. I think that's one of the weaknesses of Casino Royale. There aren't many, but the lack of gadgets, yes. I think, is a problem for the first two films. It's like part of like it's like Batman not using his utility belt and stuff. True, you know what I mean. You gotta have them. Gotta have it. something it's in there. It's part of the character. It but I do love. In Skyfall, because there wasn't even a queue until Skyfall. Yeah. That's the problem. There was that no queue. So we had two James Bond films, no fucking queue. So Casino Royale, first time, whatever. It was just like a random guy <laughs> at the resort. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, who is this guy? This is like two lines. And then Quantum Solace, nothing. Because it goes right into the action. We start with the car chase, and he, James is full blown in the mission. It was, and that's the problem. It wasn't until Skyfall we, where we got our new quartermaster. That ben, was an Ben issue. Wishaw. So, but when Ben Wishaw is fantastic, I love, I love the first scene of Q and James Bond in the museum. I, that's one of my favorite scenes of all the Craig movies is the Q introduction scene, and then Q is just a really great new version of the character. Yeah, bringing a like electric youth to the character yes. as well as the new technology because. 
Q has a bigger role to play in the next three films mm-hmm. for than the past Q. Past Q is just giving the tech and here you're on your way. But yes. Q actually has a role in the plots. He's involved with the algorithms and technology, especially in Skyfall. So I like how Q is infused, especially in No Time to Die. He's got some great scenes as yeah, well. Yeah, I mean, he's an important code, uh, like code breaker, hacker. Like So I like how they implement him throughout the course of every film. It's Being great. on the plane in yes. uh, yeah. No Time to Die, gearing yeah. up with the T and, and stuff, that's that set in the briefcase. I do I do love his apartment, and it's like everything about it, the characters, like, okay, that makes sense. He's got a, the, yeah. the hairless cat, The music, right? the, he- the cat, the, <laughs> everything, like the food he's cooking, I'm like, okay, they, they nailed this character down, uh, the way that Ben, ben Wishaw's interpretation of it was. Do you got any other cons to Daniel Craig's Bond? Yes. So, the editing of Quantum of Solace, the action editing is way too fast, too jarring, the chase scene, two of the fight scenes, you can't even tell what the fuck's going on. It's just way too fast, too overwhelming. The cuts are too quick. I mean, the chase scene, I remember seeing it in theaters, and I'd be like, I can't even see what's going on. That's <laughs> just like, cut, 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 cut. And then you watch No Time to Die, the Marta. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Matera. Matera, yeah. sorry. <laughs> the Matera Italy chase sequence is sensational. You can see everything that's Perfect going on. Perfect editing. It's just it's really seamless. It, so the action in Quantum of Solace... The editing is such a such a weakness of it. And then I'll say the love story inspector doesn't quite work with Madeline and James. I like it in No Time to Die. I think it works much better. However, in Inspector, we get the I mean, she falls in love with him in two days. I mean, it's a little too much. It's too forced. I probably would too though, to be honest. And fall in love with James Daniel Craig? Yeah, James Bond. Yeah, two James days. Bond. Yeah, yeah, I mean he's a pretty cool guy. He's he's I mean, he's the coolest guy. But it just doesn't quite work. Yeah. Uh, but it does. They do improve upon it with No Time to Die for sure. Now. I concur. I concur. Now let's get into the best stunts. Yeah, let's just get into the best list. Yeah, we, got, uh, we, made, we have a bunch of ranking lists. All right, best stunts. So F, the number one stunt, I would say. Well, let's start five to one. How about that? No, go to one to five, man. Right, one to five. Let's start big. The best stunt is the crane jump in Casino Royale. Absolutely. So uh, that's not CGI. It's a real stunt man making that real jump from crane to crane. And apparently he only had like a little tiny wire, like one thin wire. Yeah, it's a USB to... cable. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> so Craig wanted to do it, but he's afraid of heights, actually. Uh, it's the most daunting feat during that film. So the, the stunt was performed by a professional free runner, Sebastian Foucault. And while most other stunt performers during that scene were secured with heavy rigs and harnesses, Fukan recalled, I only had one little tiny wire supporting me. I love stunt people. They are insane, and I adore them for it. It's crazy. That's a jaw-dropping stunt, and Martin Campbell shot it perfectly. Just go wide as fuck and show it all happening in camera. And then just bring out the the music down and just hearing the wind. It's incredible. The sound design is awesome. Yes. I mean, it's so impressive. Just a guy just made that jump. It's unbelievable. The next stunt we have is the the bridge jump in the Matera sequence in No Time to Die. This is when James is being chased on both sides of the bridge. One's a motorcycle on one end, a car on the other. They're both shooting at him. He's like, all right, I'm going to have to jump off this bridge right now. (laughs) So he jumps, grabs a cable. Yeah. (laughs) In his mind, basically. Jumps and grabs a cable along the bridge and swings down like 50 feet. It's 150 feet drop. 150 yeah. feet. Insane that somebody did this. Mm-hmm. Bonkers. And lands, uh, not gracefully, but lands. <laughs> he survives. It's great. And I remember my stomach dropped when I saw it. I was like, oh, my God. This is one of my favorite theater experiences in a while. We saw yes. No Time to Die at IMAX HQ in the best seats, man. It was awesome. It was fantastic, man. And that whole material sequence is amazing. But that stunt is, without a doubt, a highlight. All right, next up, the next stunt doesn't involve any people, but 
it does involve a real explosion when they blew up spec when they blew up Blofeld's headquarters in the desert. That's all 100% real explosives. None of that is CGI, and they did it with one take with the actors performing in the scene. So they shot it with Madeline Swan and Daniel and James Bond. Two shot with the explosion happening behind them. That was rigged and timed for that shot. And it looks amazing. Those are all, that's all real fire. I believe it's still the largest explosion ever done on camera. It is. For film. It's still bigger than Oppenheimer. Yeah, in Oppenheimer, he detonated an entire nuclear warhead. (laughs) (laughs) But it's just such an impressive stunt. And also to, I mean, to time it right. And then also, I'm sure the actors on set were a little nervous because that fire is coming towards them. (laughs) I'm sure they could feel that heat, man. You feel that heat. The next stunt we have is the train fight in Skyfall in the first act of the film. Now, we saw something similar in Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 yes. recently. I'm sure they were like, we gotta do something like that. Oh, yeah. It's pretty bad. Do people remember Skyfall? <laughs> <laughs> but it's an awesome sequence. It's like five minutes on top of that train fighting. It's great stuff. Yeah, so that was shot in Istanbul and Daniel Craig and the other stunt performer who plays Patrice in the film did it all for real. 100% every part of that stunt is them. It's excellent Except stuff. for the fall off the train. Um, that's someone else. Next up, the, ne- the fifth best stunt in the James Bond era of Craig movies is the car roll in Casino Royale. Oh, yeah. When Daniel when, when James Bond is chasing after Vesper, after Le Chiffre's men kidnap her, and he's speeding through the winding roads. Uh, suddenly, he sees Vesper on the middle of the road, spins the wheel, and then the car flips over her, and then, then does the craziest barrel roll across the field. Rolls over. God, it looks like fucking 20 times, honestly. They had a real stunt actor driving that car for yeah, real. Yeah, Ryan Gosling from Drive. Ryan Gosling, yeah. From Drive, Driver. <laughs> Literally me drove that. But it's crazy. Like, there, a, a person was, a guy was actually driving that car. It was really inside that seat, flipping it. And it really did flip that many times. So that's not CGI. The only thing that's CGI in that shot is Ava Green on the road. So that's, in my case, in my opinion, one of the most impressive stunts because it looks fantastic. It's like one of those shots that's like, it looks so crazy. It, it's got to be CGI, but it's not. It's all real. Stunt people. I love you. And that poor Austin, Austin Martin, man. My it's God. All good. It's a beautiful car. They already messed the hell out of that car when they were prepping it. True. You know what I mean? But kudos to that stunt man for fucking going in that seat and doing that. That's they, crazy. They cut that bitch open. Oh my God. <laughs> hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Let's move on to the best kills in Daniel Craig's James Bond era. Number one's gotta be... Casino Royale, Section Chief Murder, because this is where he just got his license to kill, and this is his second kill, so he's officially a double O, and it's a great one-liner, too, where the guy's talking about, don't worry, he's going to say your second kill is the be- easier to do, but James Bond cuts him off after he murders him and says, yes, considerably. So good. It's really great. And it's it's obviously not like that big of an action scene. We never see that character is not important to the story at all, but it's about James's evolution into a double O, and then showcasing that he doesn't have a problem killing guys at all. Not well, anymore. Yeah. It's, it's cross-cut really well with the bathroom scene of exactly. his first kill. It's a great it's a great start to Casino Royale. And it was like such a incredible way to open 
uh, these new James Bond films with this black and white sequence. In. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting yeah. to go black and white here. And so it's black and white with the, the bathroom scene is 16 millimeter. So it's very grainy. And then the office scene is 35 millimeter. But it just looks fabulous. And I love this kill. I think it's James's most important kill because it wasn't a kill of self-defense or in a fight. This is murder. This is cold-blooded murder. And this is what an assassin has to be able to do and be able to move on without having qualms about it. So I think this is way more important of a kill than anything he's done in the films. And both those kills are great. The bathroom yes. fight's awesome as well. Oh, the yeah. drowning guy in the sink. It's 100%. excellent. All right, next up we We're have... just like savoring murder. <laughs> I loved when he drowned him in the sink. It was great stuff. It's beautiful. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> next up we have Dominic Green in Quantum of Solace. One of the good parts about the film is how James uh, basically doesn't kill him but he sets him up to die. So James abandons Dominic Green in the middle of the desert with a can of motor oil. Oh, yeah. And uh, he says, I wonder how long it'll take before you consider drinking that. And then we learn in the next film that Dominic did end up drinking the motor oil to tr that was out of desperation. So badass. So I think that, and not even showing it, but just, uh, it's just, a, he didn't physically kill him, but he basically did. He signed his death warrant, essentially. Yeah. Next up, we have Skyfall. We have a Shanghai sequence where he kills Patrice. Is this the Komodo dragon sequence? The Patrice is the uh, the Shanghai roof in the oh the the skylight. The skylight. Okay, yeah. the great yeah. silhouette sequence of that. That's one of the best fight scenes in the entire era yes. for James Bond for Daniel yep. Craig as well. So that's a great, beautifully filmed. Yeah. On top of the skyscraper, great fight. All right. Yeah. And then he's he's hanging from the ledge and gotcha. kills him. But also the Komodo dragon sequence in the casino is awesome as well. Yeah. Yeah. What happened Excuse to your me. voice there? Excuse me. Is there a bubble in your throat? <laughs> there was. This is a great just bomb for me. Come on, dragons are cool. I need some water. <laughs> and next we have No Time to Die, Safin's Death, which is an excellent disturbing sequence, but also very tragic because we know James is going to die as well. And it's just he just executes him. He just straight up executes him. He doesn't have to kill him. Safin's not a threat to him anymore. He just does it just to do it. And, you know, the building's going to explode anyways. Yet, I think James just wanted the satisfaction of ending his life. Because he ended his life. Exactly. He'll never, he gave James the worst death, really, was not that he's going to die, but the fact that he'll never be able to touch his family again physically. That's what he put through his, in his veins, on yeah. his skin, and his DNA now. is That's why those little nano yeah. things, he has to... He has to he can never see them again. Yes. He so, could have survived. It's, I, it's tragic yeah. as hell. There's a great uh, moment of vengeance for James. Very, very intense. And then the next best death is Primo. Also no time to die because we get the hearkening back to the fun cringiness of the originals with a one-liner where he uses the watch to basically blow up the, the uh, mechanical eye in Primo's head. And then he tells Q... I showed uh, I showed someone your watch blew their mind. It's pretty good. Great death. It just just harkens back to classic Bond. Plus the aesthetic of the henchman of having this yes. crazy appearance mm -hmm. with this fake eye, this camera eye, which is awesome as well as you know he's giving Mad Eye Moody in this movie. Primo, <laughs> Mad Eye Moody for sure. <laughs> All right, next up, let's go to best fight scenes. So the uh, Patrice Shanghai fight, which we mentioned earlier in the building. I think it's the best staged fight. It looks the best with Roger Deakins' cinematography. Patrice is a formidable villain in this film uh, because they fight both on the train and here in Shanghai. So I think that he's not so much a nameless assassin like he's a real threat for Bond. 
So I think that this fight is without doubt the best one. And then the bathroom fight in Casino Royale in the opening, which we talked about as well. But maybe my favorite action sequence is the stairwell fight in Casino Royale, as well as the stairwell fight in No Time to Die. The, the No Time to Die one's more of a gun battle. Yes. And that's a great long take. Well, but, so this, these are just fist fights. Yeah, that's right. I, I have another list for action scenes. So All right, don't so, worry but about stairwell that. fight in Casino Royale yes. is awesome. And it's also because uh, Vesper's involved. Yes. So there's even more With the uh, axe. risk involved. Yeah. yeah. It's really gritty and it's just very intense. Uh, it's You feel the danger that you never felt in a James Bond film before because the first action sequence, the chase, is awesome. But this is one where he's like, oh my God, he's like almost dying right here. And this is post heart attack, too, exactly. right? Yeah. Uh, this is pre heart attack. Pre heart attack. attack. Oh, yeah, because then he changes his suit. Yeah, this is from the first break. But no, he changes his suit after the heart attack, the defibrillator. He changes his suit. Uh, I don't believe he changes his suit after that. But this is, he definitely changes his suit after this. And then he comes back, and Le is like, oh, you have a new suit. Yeah. And then uh, Bond said something funny, but it is, he doesn't have come out with a new suit. TJ Maxx. TJ Maxx, 199. <laughs> JC Petty. <laughs> it's <d> tailored. <laughs> but he does have a great line after the heart attack where he says, uh, last, that last hand nearly killed me. <laughs> <laughs> Next up uh, for fights, we have Mr. Hinks, played by Dave Batista and Spectre, on the train. This is a really excellent fight scene. It's one of the highlights of the film. Bond versus uh, Daniel Craig versus Batista. Just throwing each other through walls. We, sh we, Bond is very strong, as you mentioned earlier. He's brutally strong. He's got he's got a lot of power that Bond, another another Bonds had, and yet he's still not even close to a, a match for Hinks, who is just a beast of an of a man, just bulldozing him through the train departments. It's a great uh, henchman for a, a Bond film. Plus, mm -hmm. I mean, Dave Bautista with a wrestling background. This is one of the most well-choreographed sequences in the entire Daniel Craig era of James Bond movies when it comes to fight sequences. And you can tell they busted their asses on this one. Yeah, and Batista's great. He only has uh, one line that he says at the end of this fight when they tie him up to the canisters that he pushes off the train. And he goes... Sheet, and then he gets thrown off the train. He's got a great look too. Yeah. He's got the the beard and a little bit of hair, but also the suits are really nice. Yeah, he's got he's got a great. Kid. He has a great kill where he he likes to. He has these metal nails on his thumbs, and he uses them to slice through people's men's eyeballs. He throws his he presses his thumbs into men's eyeballs, and the little metal nails help pierce through. What? in his past caused him to come <laughs> up with that like wh why would you want that of all the things you could do for like a secret weapon on your body on your persons what would cause a guy to I want to just eye gouge people easier like I'm, I'm, I've been having such a tough job gouging people's eyes out my nails. it's tough it's, you know it's a lot of force and they scream a lot I just gotta get in there quicker I gotta get in people's eyes and their skulls faster <laughs> with my massive thumbs so how about I get some metal fingernails on my thumbs let's do it thanks Spectre <laughs> <laughs> it's true, man. It's 100% true. Well, I was like, who, what throw, are... who throws his shoe, really? <laughs> Mr. Hanks, what do you want? I want metal fingernails. <laughs> Just on my thumbs. Just on my thumbs. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny because in the Spectre meeting, there's an assassin that is up for the job uh, to track down the, the threat, and then... Uh, so Hinks comes in and he wants the job so then he just kills that assa other assassin with his thumbs <laughs> and everybody's just, like 200 guys in the room just like eh, it's fine that's how you do it that's man how he, he's, that's how you get a job that's the guy that's if our guy if you want to be an assassin that's how you do it <laughs> he just aced it alright job interview complete yeah. <laughs> kill the competition can you just fax us your resume <laughs> it says here you worked at Ikea for two years then no work for three years what would happen in that time period oh you got metal thumbnails oh <laughs> 
That, yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> All right, the final fight Special in our... Special skills, murder. <laughs> <laughs> Cutting out eyes. <laughs> our final fight is the hotel fight in Quantum of Solace. This is one where it's very reflective of the Bourne fights, handheld, one-on-one in a small room, using uh, appliances and objects in the room as your offensive and defensive weapons. Very physical and very intimate, very fast-paced. Uh, this is a really fun fight. In this film, it, it was a jolt of energy. It was. Now, let's get into best chases. Oh, yeah. We've talked about the first two. We talked about the parkour foot chase in Casino parkour. Royale, which is amazing. So it's just so many elements to it. For, and we're traversing yeah. quite a bit of distance yeah. from building to ground to then a construction site. And just the way they go, elevate themselves up the construction site, then we're... Uh, the uh, the guy's chasing he's this amazing parkour athlete and then bond he's really adept but he's not even close to him so i like to see how they have different ways of traversing the same areas where one guy he the other guy he jumps through the elevator vault and then back out of it whereas bond he slides under a hole he saw and one guy the guy jumps over a wall's entryway and then bond just bulldozes right through the drywall so they're going through the same area but in different ways and like and like when he gets in the big dope bulldozer, yeah. he bonds like, fuck it, I'm, I'm just getting in this truck and I'm yeah, going to yeah. go. I'm going to drive this truck. He's, he's, this is too much, man. And also the catwalk, what do you call that thing that rises, the, the, that you can stand on, whatever it is. Um, he's he's up like four flights and then he, he wisely, because he, it shows his intelligence too in understanding mechanics and engineering. He's like, oh, let me break the hydraulics for this thing. So he breaks through the hydraulic wiring and then the, the platform lowers to the first floor. So he uses his mind um, to traverse the area as well. So it shows physicality and also strategy for Bond. And then the Matera chase in No Time to Die is like nine minutes because obviously we open up after the explosion at the cemetery at Vesper's grave. Then Bond going back and caught on the bridge, which we talked about earlier with that jump off the bridge with the wire stunt. But then taking out the guy on the dirt bike, taking out Mm -hmm. Prem on the dirt bike, getting on the bike, and then riding through Matera on a freaking motorcycle dirt bike. Car chase gets inside the Aston Martin with Madeline and then another five-minute se- sequence of being chased with cars as well as using all the gadgets inside the car as well. Yeah, and then just the, the, the machine guns of the car. Just amazing. One of my favorite sequences ever was this chase scene as well as the moments where they're surrounded by all the henchmen mm-hmm. of Spectre yes. and then the bullets deflecting off the Aston Martin but then Primo on the glass, boom, 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 shooting the windshield, shooting the gl- gl- glass, trying to get in. But... The acting inside, the nonverbal acting from Daniel Craig is, I think, one of the best scenes he's done as James Bond here. It's a great scene. It's very emotional. Because he feels like he's just been betrayed by Madeline. He almost wants to die. He's almost like, let it, let the mm-hmm. glass break and let's get shot and die right now. But yeah. then he just turns to Madeline, who's begging basically for him to do something. He's like, all right. All right. And they get out of there. Great scene. And then the next... Bum, 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 All right. Our next chase scene is... The Istanbul motorcycle chase, which is absolutely phenomenal. He and Money Penny are tracking the target Patrice. He gets away, and so James steals uh, another motorbike. It's always just great to see him riding around on a motorbike. And then we get this chase through Istanbul, first through the crowded areas, and then up on the rooftops. And, man, traversing this city on the bikes is just amazing. It's one of my favorite action sequences uh, for chases in the entire the entire saga. And it's just seeing the architecture. Also, one of our most viral clips ever on TikTok was about this scene. Oh, the Coke. So they, the team actually poured Coca-Cola 
on the roads of, of Istanbul so that they could have better traction with the motorcycles, which is just genius. Yeah, they did the same thing with No Time to Die. Yeah. And from Matera. This sequence is just really fantastic. I, I love I love the chase in Skyfall. And then Spectre, the opening sequence, uh, Dia de Muertos, incredible chase sequence, but I love how it opens with him wearing a mask. Like, is that yeah. Bond or is it not Bond? Is mm-hmm. it Bond? Is it not Bond? Yeah. And he finally takes it off as well as just traversing different parts of the city, like when he's on the roof on the mm-hmm. edge. Awesome stuff. Yeah. And then there's some good comedy. Like, the, that building falls apart, but he lands on a couch, remember? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then it ch- he chases the target all the way into the helicopter, and then the helicopter sequence is insane. Speaking about landing with comedy in, in Skyfall, when he lands in the train, yes, and he fixes his his uh, cufflinks. suit, his cufflinks. I love that sequence. It's yeah, just so James Bond. He does the same thing when he's walking on the roof yeah. in 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 um uh, during the Dia de Muertos. Dia de Muertos has some of the best shots of Bond because it's so badass. He's got the machine gun just like off to the side at an angle, and he's just fucking Bond in a suit. It's badass. Yeah, I love it. It's a. I mean, that movie starts with a bang. But then it just was like, oh, let's ne- it peaked in Fizzles. the first five minutes. That was the problem with the film. It just peaked, and it never even came close to that again. All right, next up for chases, we have the airport chase in Casino Royale, traversing across the entire exterior of the airport. This is great uh, on foot and then with vehicles, and it's very intense. And obviously this movie was made with uh, – connect. it's obviously tying to – uh, the fear of airport travel, and it's post 9-11, and so the idea of an airport and an airplane being blown up was very relevant at the time. But it's a really interesting action sequence. It's a lot of fun, and it's got a great score by David Arnold. And then the final chase we have here is the car chase opening of Quantum of Solace, some of the best stunt driving yeah. done in the entire franchise. I shat on the editing, but the, the chase is awesome. There's some really cool stuff in it. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, now let's get to the best action sequences. So, or actually, how about we run to our intermission? And oh, yeah, yeah. Then we'll get to the best action I'm just, sequences. I'm so excited. As well as there's so much more to talk about with James Bond for Daniel Craig's era. But before we continue, the very best way to support Raiders of the Lost podcast is to share us with your family and friends. It's the best way for a podcast to grow. If you have any Bond friends or any Bond family members that love the character, send them this episode right now on any platform, as well as share us in your stories and everything on social media. Plus, because a patron today at patreon.com slash Raiders of the Lost podcast. Every single patron has access to two weekly bonus episodes of the show every single week. Ridiculous amounts of bonus content on there as well as we understand a lot of you know that we have to put ads on our show in order to pay the rent. You know, we, we can't do the show full time without ads. So we appreciate everyone who listens to the ads and understands that we have to put them in the episodes. However, if you want an ad-free experience of Raiders of Lost podcast, all you have to do is sign up on Patreon. The minimum tier of $5 gets you ad-free episodes every single week of the show. Everything will go there and ad-free. No ads at all. And also, we have five different tiers. Besides that, $2, $5, $10, $25, $100. Every tier has better perks the further you go up. The $10 gets you access to our Discord $25, you get a custom episode. Whatever you want, we'll do an episode for you. $100, there's so much in there. I don't have time to name it all off, but Patreon allows us to do the show full-time. So thank you so much for your support. And also, leave those five-star ratings on Spotify and Apple. They're great ways for us to get seen, and we love to read them out on the show. This episode, of course, is sponsored by our friends at MoviePosters.com, the number one place to get your posters online today. Be sure to use our promo code RAIDERS10 at MoviePosters.com to get 10% off your order right 
now. They have a huge selection of pretty much every movie and TV show imaginable in their poster library, as well as all sorts of sizes, framing, and even backlighting for your poster needs. They also have a lot of Midnight Ruin posters, which you can get on MoviePosters.com. Be sure to use our promo code at MoviePosters.com to get 10% off your order right now. All right, let's get into our intermission, Anthony. There's no superlatives today because we're talking about five different movies. You said it right. Superlatives. I'm proud of you, man. Now let's get, thank you. Let's get into the movie quote competition. You ready? Ready. All right. Head cocked to the left. Partial deafness in the ear. First point of attack. Two, throat. Paralyzed vocal cords. Stop scream. Three, got to be a heavy drinker. Floating rib to the liver. Four, finally dragging the left leg. Fist to patella. Summary prognosis. Unconscious in 90 seconds. Partial efficiency quarter of an hour at least. Full, full faculty recovery, unlikely. I can't tell you how much, it, how nice it is to have someone upon whom I can thoroughly rely on, Watson. Sherlock Holmes. Yes, sir. That's an easy one, but it's fun. All right, here's my quote. <clears throat> someday, someday my dream will come. One night you will wake up and discover it never happened. It's all turn around on you. It never will. Suddenly you are old. Didn't happen, and it never will because you are never going to do it anyway. You'll push it into memory and then zone out in your barcode lounger being hypnotized by daytime TV for the rest of your life. Don't you talk to me about murder. All it ever took was a down payment on a Lincoln Town car. That girl, you can't even call that girl. What the fuck are you still doing driving a cab? Huh. Oh. Collateral. Yes. (laughs) Vincent. (laughs) Almost got me for a second. Almost. Let's move on to guess this. James mo- thought I was talking about him. <laughs> was that a movie quote? <laughs> <laughs> then I'm like, wait, I don't drive a cab. <laughs> <laughs> guess this movie release year. Enemy at the Gates. Hmm. With uh, Bruce Willis. No. With Robert Redford. Is Robert Redford an Enemy at the Gates? I'm talking the one with Jude Law. Oh, Jude. Oh, Jude Law in um. Fucking, what's his name? Um, Ray Fiennes' brother is in it. Joseph Fiennes is the other actor. Yeah. They both play snipers. Yeah, they do. It's a pretty good movie. He's, um, uh, he's stalling. <laughs> 2004. 2001. It's a pretty good movie. It's a good movie. It's actually got, from what I remember reading about it, it's got extremely accurate sniper um, action. It's like the most accurate sniper. It was a sniper like GQ video. You know, those? they'll have a profession like an expert and talk about movies that I've done yeah. scenes like and this guy was like this is one of the best scenes to ever do snipers yeah I saw that I saw one with an ice cream employee <laughs> with 500 days of summer for Zoe Deschanel yeah really accurate scooping <laughs> I don't know if I should believe you or not it's an ice cream parlor <laughs> <laughs> I made that up she scoops ice cream in 500 days of summer yeah what remember when they're doing the montage of summer and her effect on the people around her and they say that this oh, little ice yes. cream shop had like a boost in sales of yes. like eight hundred percent. Yes, I remember. And they couldn't understand why on days that she worked. The summer effect. Yeah. Okay. Good reference, man. Reference, bro. <laughs> All right. What year did Collateral come out? Two thousand. Oh. Two thousand seven. 2004. Oh, why didn't I say that? That's what I was thinking. You gotta say, you gotta stick with what's in your gut, my man. My gut, man. Well, sometimes my gut's wrong. He gets me into trouble sometimes. He was right this time, though. He was. He was right. He? <laughs> what's his name? John. 
John the gut. <laughs> I am James's gut. <laughs> I get cancer. I kill James. <laughs> Sick reference, bro. Fight Club. All right. Movie pop quiz time. Name five actors from the film Contagion. Lawrence Fishburne. One. Jude Law. Two. Matt Damon. Three. Gwyneth Paltrow. Four. Um, fuck. <laughs> Good question, right? <laughs> yeah, it's got like, uh, oh, Kate Winslet. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Also, I knew there was another superstar in there. Also, John Hawks. It's a bunch of actors. Yeah, it's a huge cast, but all right, you got it. Several Oscar nominees and winners. All right, what two Disney movies did Javier Bardem co-star in? Like, big Disney movies. He's in one of the Pirates movies. Is it At World's End? No. Is it... Um, oh, it's... Um, the freaking... He's in SpongeBob, too. He's not that, not that guy. Oh. Uh, Just say he's season Pirates 5. Pirates 5. Yeah, yeah Pirates 5. <laughs> What's the name Dead of the Dead Men Tell No Tales. Yeah, Dead Men Tell No Tales. They said Ted Danson tells no tales. <laughs> <laughs> Ted Danson definitely doesn't tell no tales. All right, so Pirates 5. And then Javier Bardem is also in The Little Mermaid. Correct. The new one plays Poseidon. I was Poseidon in, in fifth grade. This is a great costume. Thanks. You had a blue beard. <laughs> no, it was a white beard. I had a blue staff. I had no, you painted it blue. No, I didn't. I think you did. No, I didn't. Okay, maybe. Yeah, Why yeah. would he have a blue beard? I don't know, because he's a water guard. He's, water he's, guard. he's God. He's just got white hair. He's God. He's a God. He's I, said, God. I said he's a God. He's, I was uh, Zeus, so I was a better God. I was the God of all gods. You were just like the president of the gods. <laughs> he's the God of gods. Well, they're brothers. And I had uh, golden locks. I had a curly beard and curly hair, remember? I remember. And I had uh, a cardboard cut out of a lightning bolt. The crazy thing is... <laughs> Anthony actually grew that beard out in fifth grade. <laughs> Never could do it again. <laughs> Came out white as well. <laughs> All right, what's up next? Haters. Haters of this week. Unsubscribes. What do we got, Anthony? Take us we to Hater Zone. All right, JK7777 wrote, <laughs> I posted a clip about Midnight Ruin, a scene that we made. And then he wrote, try reposting this with James running at the bottom. It was hard to concentrate. Unsubscribe. <laughs> People love those videos, man. <laughs> he also commented, he's our only hater today. <laughs> I wrote, um, I made a clip about film directors as famous painters. I don't know if you saw it. And I compared directors to famous artists. And then I, he wrote, no Spielberg? Guess you've never heard of Indiana Jones. Unsubscribed. <laughs> we actually had a, a couple haters on YouTube. Oh, let's hear it. Those are it for me. So are they real haters? Yeah, real haters. Someone called us morons. Oh yeah, I, I saw that guy today. He wrote. Here we go. So we made a clip about when we did our Universal Monsters episode. We were talking about when we were kids. When we were kids, yes, we thought Frankenstein was the monster. Every kid does. Because every fucking every, kid does. Everyone every does kids. because it's always marketed like that. If you go to a costume store. Anyone, if anyone's dressed up as Frankenstein, it was always, oh, that's Frankenstein. Yes. It's a Frankenstein costume. Every kid. So when we were kids, we never saw the movie until we were adults. Frankenstein, the original, 1931. So I didn't know that Frankenstein, we didn't know that he wasn't that actual, yes. he wasn't Frankenstein. He's, yeah. He's just the, the creature of the He's monster. He's just the monster. That's and it. then we made a clip about it. And then this guy on I knew, YouTube. I knew someone was going to say something. No, we all knew it was, it was called Frankenstein's monster. I tried to call you a moron, but YouTube told me if it would hurt your feelings. So he like asterisks out moron. 
But I'm like, dude, what is wrong with you? Like, what is wrong Did with you? Did you see the replies? He just went off. It's it's just Did you screenshot it or do you have a live? Yeah, I have it right here. There's yeah, he said it because then he said because I accidentally liked it. Yeah, um, well, you accidentally like a lot of comments. Yeah, it was, it's just habit, the thumb. But I accidentally liked it and then I immediately unliked it, and then he said he said something like, "I saw that you liked and then unliked my comment. Is it because you're so butt hurt?" Well, <laughs> I replied. I said we were literally talking about the perspective of when we were children, having never seen the movie or read the book yet. A lot of things about getting butt hurt over something so stupid. Come on, man, it's YouTube. I mean. <laughs> This guy just got a very lonely, sad life, I bet. He, he got us, man. I'm sorry that when I was seven, I thought Frankenstein was the monster. I'm sorry, guy. Like every seven-year-old. Dude, that guy probably didn't know until a year oh, ago. Oh, he definitely didn't know. He's just projecting. He was... Dude, I was a kid. I thought it was Frankenstein. Nobody, thought... nobody knew that difference when they were children. Jeez, man. Nobody did. YouTube. When you go viral on YouTube, that's when that's the real hate, man. Them, they they're were savage We're on cooking, it. man. That's good news, but also, holy crap. Yeah, we're cooking. I don't usually respond, but that guy pissed me hey, off. Hey, it gets us better uh, engagement. So. Oh, I have another hater from TikTok. What? So I made a clip uh -huh. about how the leaves in Halloween were fake on yes. the ground, and it was May. And it was Great clip, by the they way. They filmed things. They filmed Halloween in May, and also outside Los Angeles in Alhambra, South Pasadena. Literally, we can drive 10 minutes to the- I can spit on Pasadena To Meyer, the Myers home. We, the, ho the Myers home is in Pasadena, South Pasadena, right down the street from us. And I made a, we made a clip saying it was in, South, in Los Angeles. And this guy kept going back and forth with me. He's like, no, it was filmed in Pittsburgh. I'm like, it was what? literally filmed in South Where Pasadena. Where did he get that information? He's like, trust me, bro. I'm from Fair Oaks, and Fair Oaks is a neighborhood around here in Los Angeles. And he's like, trust me, it wasn't filmed here. And I'm just like, dude, if you just took 10 seconds to Google this, maybe a sequel was filmed there, but definitely not the first film. The original film, it's Alhambra, South Pasadena. It's amazing how people- And also, yeah. all the license plates are California plates in There's Halloween. There's palm trees in the movie. They couldn't afford to swap out license plates. There are palm trees in the movie. But there, still, there are look, no palm trees in Pittsburgh. The thing with the internet is everyone thinks they're right about everything. It's yeah. like, just because he thinks he's right, he's not even gonna look it up. He's because he stubborn. fucking knows he's wrong. Yeah. I was like, I, my final response was, <laughs> LOL. <laughs> I love how you're not even going to look this up because you know you're wrong. Have a nice day. <laughs> 10 second Google. Where was Halloween shot? South Pasadena. It's, Alhambra. It's really amazing. It's, it's, it's honestly it never ceases to amaze me how people will argue with someone thinking that they know something when they, could, when they couldn't be further from the truth. They bought the fucking Captain Kirk mask on Hollywood Boulevard. I don't think there's a Hollywood Boulevard in Pittsburgh, bro. <laughs> I, I, I've never been but. for the last time there are palm trees in the movie <laughs> let us know if anyone's in Pittsburgh if they they have a Hollywood Boulevard there it'd be pretty odd yeah it would be odd it would, it would be kind yeah. of out of place man what a, what a bunch of haters man jeez Louise but it's good news it means we're going viral peanut butter and jealous man bring on the hate moving on to <laughs> James is ready for it uh, we don't have let me see if we have any new reviews to read out on the show because last week we did Richard, mm -hmm. let me see if we have any new ratings reviews. Here we, ah. I have, I have one. Oh yeah, you got one on Letterboxd on Midnight Ruin. We got a funny one from Jay Reinert, who wrote, "Great movie, but needs more cowbell." <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah, no new five star reviews on Apple, so we gotta get those numbers up, everybody. Leave those written reviews on Apple. Oh yeah, and I'll read we it love on the those show. Reviews. I love to read them. Now, streaming recommendation, Anthony. What do you got? Tomorrow Never Dies on Prime. GoldenEye is also on Prime. They're just the two best Pierce Brosnan movies. Uh, Tomorrow Never Dies is the second best. It's cheesy, but it's fun. It's kind of like shut your brain off entertainment, and it's just it's really it's a really good time. And uh, Michelle Yeoh is amazing in it. My streaming recommendation is a film just got put on Hulu for November 2023. 
Twister. Watch this original great film before it's ruined with a reboot next year. Twisters. Okay, <laughs> listen. So we have Twister, but imagine there's more than one Twister. Twisters. Twisters. <laughs> All right, let's get back into our episode on Daniel Craig's James Bond. And I feel like a good segue would be to let's talk about the rankings according to IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes for <coughs> Daniel Craig's James Bond films. Let's do it. So Rotten Tomatoes, the top James Bond film is going to be Casino Royale at 94%. I think that's a really solid rating. Impressive. And it was, you know, the first film of the franchise, a reboot and reinvigoration of the character. Number two on Rotten Tomatoes is Skyfall at 92%. I can see Skyfall being like a 95 or 96. I can see 100. Imagine being a critic that gives Skyfall a rotten score. Nah, not very good. <laughs> Probably quit your job. Moving on to, <laughs> <laughs> that's also why they're a critic. Number three is No Time to Die at 83%. Feels a little low to me. It, yeah, that's number three is 83. Feels a little low. Yeah, I, I mean, well, I'm glad it's number three at least. I mean, the rating is, is yeah, kind of low, 83%. Because yeah. I think Kari Fukunaga directed his fucking ass off for oh, No yeah, Time to absolutely. Die. It's amazing. It's an amazing movie. And then we have a tie, a tie between the fourth and fifth films at 63%, both for Spectre and for Quantum of Solace, I think Spectre could borderline be a rotten movie. Do you think MGM paid for that to not be rotten? <laughs> I can neither confirm nor deny that. <laughs> pulled that 63 right above rotten? Yeah, they somehow pulled that out of their ass. <laughs> now, IMDb ratings are a little different. IMDb, the number one rated James Bond film for the Daniel Craig era, is going to be... Actually, it's Casino Royale, number one, <laughs> with an 8.0. Skyfall is a 7.8. Really? I could see Skyfall being over an 8, honestly. Yeah, I'm surprised. I, I would have guessed it was at least an 8.2, 8.3. Yeah, Skyfall is a 7.8. Pretty pretty shocking I can't there. believe that's not an 8. Yeah, me neither. Number 3 on the list is, again, No Time to Die with a 7.3. Big drop. Spectre at number 4 with a 6.8. And then Quantum of Solace, everyone's least favorite. An IMDb 6.6 score. 6.6 for a Bond movie. Yikes. That is not good, everybody. That mm. is not good. But I mean, it's just about in line with our favorites. Except, Pretty much. Yeah, I mean, except for No Time to Die is your favorite. Yeah. Yeah. Now, let's get into... There's an aspect to a James Bond film that is quintessential to it being a Bond film. It has nothing to do with gadgets. It has nothing to do with the Bond actor. Not suits. No suits. It's the song. Every Bond film has an opening song. And if you watch a James Bond film and forward through the song, shame on you. Because it says part as much a part of the film as it is anything else. Shame. Shame. shame! shame! Shame on you. We shame you. You gotta sit through that opening title credits. Cause I mean honestly, they're always great. Now we have a ranking of all five songs. Keep in mind they're all actually really fantastic tracks. Now at number five, we actually have the first song. You Know My Name by Chris Cornell of uh, Pearl... No, um, what the fuck's his band? <clears throat> I'm sorry, I can't remember his band. Um, oh, it's uh, crap. His band? Freaking... Stone Temple Pilots. No. No, Auto... Audio Slave. Audio Slave. Yes. No, but his first band was Stone Temple Pilots. Was it? Yeah. Audio Slave was the, se was the second band. But yes, when Rage Against the Machine broke up. He took, uh, he didn't take, but uh, <laughs> the, the instrument players of Rage joined up with Chris Tom Cornell. Morello, Tom Morello. Tom Morello and the other, the drummer and bass player uh, joined up with Chris Cornell. No one knows their names, just Tom Morello. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just do other guys. Just kidding. You guys are great. You guys are great. But uh, Audio Slave's great, 
and then his his band's great as well. This is a really fun Bond uh, song. I like the 2D animation and the poker theme. It looks really cool. And then we have Writings on the Wall by Sam Smith at number four. And this one was Quantum of Solace, correct? This one was Spectre. Oh, it's Spectre. Okay, so Spectre. And, you know, Sam Smith is a terrific and very talented singer. And I think it's really solid. And I like the opening animation for this. It's really stunning, really beautiful CGI and live action photography combined together. We get the octopus theme laced throughout this entire opening title credits. And we get um actual Daniel Craig footage in this film. He's shirtless in this in the scene. Yeah, he is. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, when Daniel Craig pops out of the ocean in Casino Royale, yeah. it's just like, fuck. <laughs> I gotta hit the gym. I gotta hit the gym, man. What am I doing? You don't have to. It's bought. He has to look but like I that. Mean, well, I mean, no, he doesn't have to. He's never looked like that. That's now, the no, thing. no, no. Now he does. Now he does. Now he does. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. And he needs. It's like being a superhero. You can't compare yourself to Chris Hemsworth. It's almost like in Bourne, Jason Bourne, the fourth movie, uh-huh. which I try to pretend like didn't exist. Matt's his most shredded of all the Bourne movies yes. he's in in that one. I was really disappointed where he's a he's a bare knuckle brawler in I believe it's the Middle East. I can't remember the country. And I didn't. I, I was like, they had in the trailer, and I was like, oh my god, he's gonna be in like a brawl with this some dude for money. And then in the he just knocks the guy out with one punch. That's in the trailer too. I was like, yeah, but you know that was the end of the fight. Yeah. I was like, that's the fight. I was expecting like the fucking badass like five minute hard knuckle brawl, and it was just a one hit done. I was like so bummed out. That was I was so disappointed watching that. Yeah, me too. I was like, oh man, this is gonna that's be so cool. That's how I felt cool. the entire film. That's a good metaphor for the whole movie. <laughs> disappointed at number three I'm disappointed we... you tried <laughs> I know dad you were disappointed at number three Inception we Inception reference <laughs> just for everyone to know, so they know what we're talking at about at number three we have No Time to Die by Billie Eilish really t- really great track produced uh, by Hans too produced by Hans uh, beautiful song uh, great singing and, and uh, vocals and the lyrics are excellent and then Really, really good uh, animation for the title sequence. It's really stunning. The next one, number two on our list, is actually my favorite. Jack White and Alicia Keys did Another Way to Die. And it's the... It's great. It's great. Bringing Jack White's guitar riffs in, in writing as well as Alicia Keys singing. And their vocals together are terrific. They wrote it together. Yeah. They did write it together. Sorry. They did write it together. Anyways, it's a great track. It's really cool. And then we have, I think it's just so iconic, Skyfall by Adele. Oh, yeah. It's the best. Skyfall is great. And it's my favorite animation uh, for a title sequence. And I think so too. I, I like the gravestones. I like the color palette. I like him getting sucked into the bottom of the ocean. There's so many elements to the title sequence of, of Skyfall that are just like really powerful imagery. And I mean, it's important to relate the themes of the film into the title sequence for a Bond film. And they all do it really well. And Skyfall, I think, exceeds better than the others. As well as a good bit of foreshadow. Yes. You yes. know, not as much as like a little compilation like Mission Impossible or they're mm-hmm. showing you parts of the ending. But I think that just great foreshadow and thematic elements and motifs from the film that you're about to see get you in the mood as well with the music and the aesthetic. Yeah. It's always done very well. That's like why I really love the Dr- Girl the Dragon Tattoo opening sequence. Great. great. For all of Fincher's movies, that's one of his best. It's fantastic. All right, let's move on to a villain ranking. Ooh, so yeah. let's, let's rank the villains of Daniel Craig's Bond films. So at number five, we have Dominic Green from Quantum of Solace. He's he's fine. He doesn't really make a big impact on screen. He's not very memorable. 
He's he's okay. Just a guy. He's just a guy. And again, <laughs> I think that they grounded this. They took grounding Bond way too far in this film, to the point where the villain the villain's just a guy. He's just a rich dude, and it was just he lacked any personality whatsoever. So Matthew Almerich's a great actor. We need world domination. Yes, that's what we he's, need. This dude's just trying to make some money. Oh, he's he's really yeah. good. Yeah, he's terrific. But um, just he's just for a Bond villain, just not quite right. Moving on to number four, we have Ernst Blofeld, played by the great Christoph Waltz. The acting sensational, obviously, it's Christoph. The character, Inspector, is starts strong, but by the end of the film, not so You're much. Like, really? And then in No Time to Die, I think it's a great bounce back for the character. Again, Blofeld, Ernst Blofeld is a character from the past, James Bond's past, reinvented him for this franchise as well. And an overarching villain in Bond's life. But like we said earlier, we don't love how they connect familial ties and blood ties to James. Yeah, so yeah, I didn't like how they made him adoptive brothers at all. I thought it was too silly, too unbelievable. It's just too much. the odds? They took it too far. Uh, The suspension of disbelief. What if if Bond was just like worked at a gas station? Yeah, right? There's nothing wrong with that. But like, what if he wasn't a double O? With his troubles, I mean, that's more accurate than being a super What if he worked at Macy's as like general manager? (laughs) (laughs) And then Blofeld's like terrorizing him outside of Macy's. (laughs) He sends Primo to Macy's. Hello, (laughs) James. I've been waiting a long time to buy this sweater, James. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. And then at number three, we have Safin. Uh, played by Rami Malek in No Time to Die. I think he's a very strong villain. I think he's excellent. And his name's his first name's Lucifer, which Lutzif- is Lucifer yeah. in in Russian. And great character design. He's kind of disturbing to look at in a way, uh, because of the uh, poison after effects. They've uh, ruined his skin. However, he he does not have enough sc- that much screen time. He does have a good amount of screen time, but I would have liked to see a little bit more of him. But I think he's great. I really find him interesting. I like the background of the poison garden. I think it's really cool. I think there are a lot of elements to Safin that I I really adore. Um, he just didn't have enough punch to go up the top of the list. He does have a great third act, though. Yes, he does. But yeah. I mean, when we're competing with the other two villains, it's tough to beat these two guys because at number two we have Le Chiffre, played by Maz Mikkelsen in Casino Royale, who's an excellent villain. He's got so much character to it, and it's very chewy. He's also a villain that has sort of a facade of how much power he actually has because he, at the end, has a puppet master as well in a mm-hmm. lot of ways. And so he's out trying to save himself by the end of the film. And th- through the course of the film, he's trying to save his own neck because he owes $130 million to the to the gangsters. So he is as desperate to get the money as Bond is, which I, I, I like it because if he was just like another, if he was a billionaire, he's like, this money doesn't really matter to him winning this poker game if he's worth billions. But... Since he needs this money desperately to save his own neck, he's just at much. He has as much stakes to win the game as Bond does. So I really like that about it. Plus, I love the character design. I love the the bleeding eye. It's a, a great look for the villain, and just like that great character detail of uh, something physical that's odd about a villain in a Bond movie that you need. And very similar to you know Batman being broken by Bane in lore as well as in Dark Knight Rises, we have the first time we really see James Bond get broken by a villain. Yeah. He gets demolished in the third act of this film and it has a long road to recovery but to actually break james bond uh, uh physically and emotionally mm-hmm. in a first film it's awesome yeah it was great a great start for the bond franchise and then at number one we have silva played by javier bardem so personable so interesting brilliant 
A great character design. One of the best op- intros ever, too. Yeah, it's, it's it's one of the best character intros is Silva's monologue shot by, uh, by Roger Deakins. And Silva just steals the screen when he's on, on screen. He just steals every scene he's in. He's a highlight. Whenever he's on, you're just, like, locked in. You're like, this guy is amazing. Um, the characterization, um, Javier Bardem having a lot of fun. And he just eats up the scenery. Plus Silva connecting him to MI6, connecting yes. him to M. The reason why he's going after MI6. Great character motivation, as well as wanting to take M out, who is a representation of his mother and his past. It's great. Absolutely. All right, let's rank Bond girls. Bond girls. So. We, we can do the top five, or we can do all of them. We can do, might as well just talk about them all. Yeah, let's do them all. So I think number one Bond girl, it's got to be Vesper Lind. Played by Ava Green. Agreed. I love the mystery around her. You can't. You're not sure if you can trust her, especially by the third act of the first film. And you also can't help but fall in love with her. Ava Green is terrific in this role, and she's smart. She's witty and sophisticated, and she has every quality you want in a Bond girl. But you know, I love how Bond falls in love in the first film and follows his heart. And I love their first scene. It's like a, a, a verbal boxing match between the two of them in the, the cart of the train. Really fantastic uh, dialogue and really just all characterization, character details, and she's phenomenal. And um, in terms of Bond girls, I think she is the best uh, because of the emotional connection that you actually do, do really feel between Bond. I think that I've never seen Bond connect with a woman as much as he does in this film. Not my type. S- intelligent? Single. Single. <laughs> <laughs> next up, we have... Who, who do you have next? Madeline Swan. That's who I had, too. So Madeline Swan, played by Leah Seydoux, ends up being James Bond's, James Bond's baby mama by No Time to Die. She's a wonderful actor. Uh, one of the best actors alive, in my opinion. And she really is a, a very... For- uh, she's a force of nature on screen. She's really wonderful. Madeline Swan connects us to the first film she's the daughter of mr white connects us to specter so she plays a a vital part in james bond's story i do um like i said earlier i don't enjoy the love story i think it's a little too forced in the inspector but i do really like them together in no time to die because you might be a little cheesy on the surface for madeline to fall in love with bond however it does make total sense because her dad's an assassin he was he was an assassin and then um so there's a character i can't remember who says it inspector they say i mean nobody will nobody will understand bond more than the daughter of an assassin you know what i mean so it does make sense for her to fall in love with this man who kills for a living yeah and leia say do she has such photogenic features especially her eyes she's she's just gorgeous to look at on cre- on screen all of these women are too and but I mean a lot of them are just so hypnotizing on camera and I think Madeline Swan's a great character especially in No Time to Die and Blowfield brilliantly uses her to get to Bond and to make him think that she betrayed him mm-hmm. in order to break them apart in order to get to Bond yeah it's a rough breakup it's tough it's yeah. tough stuff next up we have Eve Moneypenny yes played, we do played by Naomi Harris uh, Naomi's a really wonderful actress and I like how so on the Traditionally, Moneypenny, secretary, administrator. However, in the early Craig films, she's very much part of the action. We get her in Skyfall. She's on that first mission. She really has done the field work. It just, she's not quite suited to it. And she does, you know, she she judges herself and has trouble overcoming the mistake of thinking she killed Bond. And that's tough for her to get over. 
And this is these are it's a great conflict that you never saw in a money penny before. Money penny is always just like the secretary that you know Bond hooked up with a couple of times, and they're always just like it's like kind of slapstick cringy humor. Yeah, and also slapstick sexism because yeah. I th- which was the Pierce Brosnan one where she puts on like the VR headset basically and is like pretending she's with Bond. I think I uh, die another day. Yeah, and then also there's I mean there's a lot of hints to them hooking up. Uh, casually multiple times but you don't get any of that in this there's a flirtatious nature to it she does like i love the scene where she clean shaves him in skyfall um he, he needed to get cleaned up and by a friend but I, I always looked at them as very platonic it's like a work wife or a husband kind of thing and i do think that works better for money penny yeah in skyfall the trailer i thought they were going to get together in that film but i'm glad that they didn't i'm glad too, i'm yeah. glad they didn't yeah. next up we have camille montez played by olga Kurlenko. even though quantum of solace is not a great great bond movie i think olga is terrific and i think camille is a really solid bond girl in this film she's great yeah she's she's one of the best parts of the movie hands down yeah i agree and she she gets she's tough she gets her nail she gets her hands dirty she's very instrumental to the film working and the plot working so i like how they made it's very much like harkens back to Michelle Yeoh and a couple of the other Bond girls where they're instrumental to the action. She has very much a lot of motivation to go after the same person yes. as Bond, but yeah. different motivation than him. Exactly. Then we have Strawberry Fields, played by Gemma Arterton, also in Quantum of Solace. Very charming, very intelligent. And she has a very small part in the film, but it's vital, especially in the second act, transitioning to the third act. And she also has one of the more memorable death moments reveals, um, where she is revealed it's a flash it's not a flashback it was just like a connection to golden eye not golden eye goldfinger where the bond girl is found covered in gold dead on the bed this time Gemma Arterton's strawberry fields is found dead on the bed covered in oil next up we have lucia scaria scara played by monica bellucci Inspector, and it's monica bellucci i mean come on and what i liked about this intimate relationship for bond is very age appropriate to yeah. how old Bond was, which is pretty rare for a James Bond movie. And there's a lot of contra- people are saying like she's too old. It's like it's Monica Bellucci. It's Monica Bellucci. She's the all timer, man. All timer. <laughs> Lucia. Lucia. Yeah. Next up, Paloma in the Cuba sequence, played by Anna de Armas. A great breath of fresh air, lots of energy, good comedy. She paired up with Craig really well, knives out, and then he got her on board for No Time to Die. For this really fun sequence, she she carries the action chops, she carries the the dramatic chops and the comedy really well. She's just a all around like full tilt actor. Like she can do anything. For a one off sequence of just a, being a character in the movie for fifteen minutes, she knocks out of the park, man. She's terrific in this movie. It's one of my favorite parts of No Time to Die. Great action sequences as well. Next up, we have Sarah Veen, played by Berenice Marlowe. Now, she is in Skyfall. She is the woman who is connected to Silva, and James uses her at the casino to get to Silva. She has a very small role. Um, they hook up on the yacht, and then... Gets killed. Then Silva kills her when he's trying to get James to shoot her with the old pistol, shoot the thing off her head. Um, so, short-lived character, but she, she does have a strong presence. It's a shot. Glass. Shot right. glass. Yes, that's a it. drink. Thank you. Yeah. Man, it sucks to be her in that moment. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> the, imagine having someone point like an old timey pistol at you. Oh my God. Especially Bond in this film who's just lost an <laughs> He's edge. Such man. Fucking drug He's mess. A mess. <laughs> <laughs> and then finally, we have Nomi, played by Lashana Lynch, who is 008 in No Time to Die. Well, by the end of the film. By the end of the film, she is the uh, replacement for Bond, 007. She's, she's really good, and I do like 
they do have her let Bond handle it at the end. I was worried, like, is is because it's a Bond movie. You want James Bond to still be the hero. It's his movie. Top Gun Maverick, baby. Exactly. Same thing. So I was like, oh, is she going to... I mean, I love having her in a few of these action scenes because she does carry carry her own, and she does a great job. LaShawna Lynch is a very talented actor. But they think they made the right choice. Same thing happened in Super Mario. They did the right thing. They were like, let's let Bond save the day at the end by himself. And I think it really worked. Who would have thought we had a Super Mario reference in here? Yeah, they did it in Super Mario. Yeah, these, yeah. Mario and Luigi saved save the day. Yeah, uh, Princess Peach. Did so she print. Peach did so much stuff yeah. before that. Like yeah. she did enough, but it's like let let Mario and Luigi do it at the yeah, end. Yeah, I'm day. really glad that they made the right decision. James Bond saves the day at the end of the movie. It's fucking his show. It's his movie. Lashana was great. Nomi's great. We'll, I'm sure maybe we'll see her again in another Bond movie if they connect the verses like how M's always connected lately. Mm-hmm. We'll see. But yeah, I think that was a great decision. And speaking of M, I think one of the great improvements or great parts of Daniel Craig's Bond is bringing Dame Judi Dench back as M. Yes. Kind of like a seamless transition. I thought it was just smart. It just made sense. Rather than recast M, just have Judi Dench, Judy ben, Judy Dench back. But Why it's, not? But also, so M's still M. But Bond is now reset. It works. Yeah, it does. Because Bond, it's not like he's like, oh, he's been Bond for years. He is new. He's a new double O. I thought it worked really well. It helps the audience, especially Bond having such an older fan base for the last 50 years, except that it's a new reboot. We have the main one of the main characters from several bond movies yeah. what was she in like 12 all pierces and then a bunch of ones that in the 80s yeah so bringing her back i think it was great for the transition as well as we have two m's i think mm-hmm. ray finds was a great choice to become the new m once m passes away in skyfall and ray finds is great because we sort of have the same situation with uh, vesper in the first film can you trust m can you trust Ray finds character M, and then you eventually can by the end of the film, and you do by the end of Skyfall. Yeah, and there is another question to that in No Time to Die with the nanobot technology. Uh, he did fuck up big time yeah. by losing the technology. So I like how even M made a huge mistake to jeopardize the world. And M gives a great toast to James Bond at the end of No Time to Die. That, yeah. that my I was crying, and then that kept it going. Yeah, I, I, that that's an emotional part. Speaking of emotional... Let's. Uh, I have a list of the most emotional scenes. In the well, film. actually, before we get to that, can we do a couple more things that I think was done well? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So another yeah. character, Felix Leiter. Yes. Played by Jeffrey Wright. So now he's uh, in the books, in the original, in Ian Fleming's writing, Felix, as well. He's brought up in License to Kill, but very briefly. He's more of like a cameo. But I love how this franchise brings Leiter, Felix, in as a central character to three movies. Mm-hmm. And becomes a brother to James Bond. And I think James needed someone like that versus just someone at MI6 because Felix works for the CIA, but they're friends. They work together sometimes, Casino Royale especially. He's really important to Casino Royale, and he's also integral to No Time to Die as well. He's and, uh, kind of important Skyfall for a little bit. Yeah, yeah. a little bit. But uh, No Time to Die, Felix's death is really dramatic, yeah. and James Bond calls him his brother. I had a brother. His name was Felix Leiter. And I think Jeffrey Wright kills this role, and everyone loves Jeffrey Wright. It's funny the two bad Bond movies don't have him in it. <laughs> he's the good luck charm. Yeah, he's I the rabbit. He is. Yeah, <laughs> and he, it's great. He sucks at poker. But, yeah, he does. But he's he's a. I like having the CIA involved. He's a CIA agent. He's like basically the CIA counterpart of to James Bond at MI6, and 
I think they have a lot of chemistry. He and he and Craig work really well on screen together, especially No Time to Die. I was like, I was so glad that there was more Jeffrey Wright. Me too. I was like, this is what we've been missing. We need more Jeffrey Wright in these movies. Their camaraderie is really great, mm-hmm. and their chemistry is terrific. He's just got the coolest voice, man. Yeah, he's got a he's great got voice. Jeffrey Wright's voice is awesome. 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 I can't wait to see American Fiction. Looks yeah, great. American Fiction looks great. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now you can move on with what you were going to do. I just want to bring up Felix. I was going to say, I made a list of the most emotional move- moments of the films. Are you going to make me cry right now? Oh, yeah. So I didn't, mo- I didn't plan on crying. Well, most dramatic, not emotional, but dramatic. So both dramatic and emotional. Take so, an adjective, Anthony. So Felix's death in No Time to Die, which we just talked about, very emotional. I teared up. And then Bond winning the poker game in Casino Royale. That's that, awesome. That was very dramatic. Also, I love the the chips in that movie, and they have those big— oh, The million-dollar chips, yeah. Yeah, the big, like, cards. Yeah. I love those. Those are great. And he, I love how he tips the— the dealer, a million dollars. He's like, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> like, Does so he tip casual. him a mil? He, no, I think he tips him 500K. Quite a bit. He, he slides him a blue a blue uh, card. I think those are 500K and the red ones were a million. Was it that much? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He slipped him one of those. And the guy's like, yeah, thanks, thanks All dude. right, I'm going to quit my job and just high stake. Yeah, you're going to have to be pretty good to be a high stakes dealer. Damn. <laughs> and then M's death in Skyfall. It's tough. Very dramatic um, on the Skyfall property. Uh, the fire, the built the house on fire in the background, in the chapel, uh, dying in Bond's arms. I think it was a very fitting death for her. Uh, Judy Dench, Judy Dench is great in this film. It's her best film of all the Craig movies by far. It's probably her best. It's I you know it's her best M role and performance of any Bond film she's ever. She been has in. the most screen time of yes. any Bond film. This one, especially because the third act, they're coming after her and, and Bond being so integral to the plot. And the emotional um, trajectory of the story, the connection to Silva. I think that it was so. That's that I think is one of the most untalked about reasons why Skyfall is so strong of a movie is because M is so big in that movie. Plus, I mean, watching M, her perspective of her agents being killed, and her, the shot of her looking at the coffins. Oh with yeah, the, uh, the English flag on top of them. Plus. James breaking into her apartment in the opening when he comes back out of death. I've been in retirement or I've been enjoying death. I love that as well. So she's got a lot of scenes in that movie, and I think you're right. That's why it's so strong. And speaking of James coming back, I mean, just one of my favorite sequences of any of Craig's films is his entire examination process coming back from his supposed death. He's got like five o'clock shadow. He's got a week week long shadow. He's not as strong. He's not as fast. He sucks with his target. Um, he feels that he he's, has strap, he's got a uh, bullet fragments in his shoulder. Yeah, he fails the psychological examination. He's a failure. Um, Day wasted. Wasted. And he's bitter. He's tired. He's run down. And you feel it. And yet, M sends him out to Silva anyway. And Silva notes on this. He's like, she knew you were going to fail. But yet, she still sent you. And you failed. You failed every yes. test. Yeah. And she still sent you. So can you even trust her? She sent you here to die, basically. Exactly. Yeah, I, I love that entire sequence. All right, next up for dramatic moments, um, James Bond's death in No Time to Die. I was crying. I didn't think I'd cry during a James Bond movie. Well, actually, Casino Royale, I think I cried the first time when Vesper died. But I was I was crying. I was like, oh, my God, I'm pouring down my cheeks. The acting between for Daniel and then Leia just, man, it got me, man. They were so good. And the, the fact that they are so far away communicating mm-hmm. on walkie-talkies, basically, yeah. or on the phone, I mean. And it's so sad because of what Safin did to him. He can never touch physically touch his family again. He can't be near them. So I might as well sacrifice myself and save the world. Getting emotional thinking about it. <laughs> I thought it was great. I thought it was a great ending, man. 
And, that was and really the good. thing is, you know he's gonna. I like you knew he was gonna die. Yeah. You know, you knew when they got on the boat with Nomi to get, and she's like, "I'm gonna, I'll take care of them, make sure they're safe." And they mm-hmm. go away. You're like, "I got a bad feeling about this. I got a bad. No, no, I got, I got, I got a bad feeling about this. Bad. Action Jackson can't cry. <laughs> Not my fault. It was tough, man. And but still, still gets me. Just I think it was great. It. The the loss of James Bond. In No Time to Die, it feels like a loss of somebody you know because he's yeah. been such a figure in culture for so long. Our entire lives, James Bond's existed. And then he's he dies at the last movie, at the end of the movie, and it, I feel like in real life, James Bond died. I don't understand why people got upset about it. So so angrily upset. It's like, they're going to make more. They're always going to be making Bond movies. Why? What's wrong with just killing him in one one of them? Yeah, I mean, he, they gave him a family and killed him, which had never been done before. Yeah, I thought it was great. You got to mix it up at some point. Yeah, you we're just, at number 25, 26 in the franchise. Different. We're going to reset the franchise There's going to be Bond movie in four years. Relax, everybody. There's literally going to be James Bond movies until you die. The earth ends. Yeah. Until, <laughs> until the sun explodes, James Bond movies will be coming out. So relax, everybody. He'll be back. He's, he's so, not really dead. He's, he's not really dead, guys. He's he a fictional he character. Dead, but, you know. <laughs> I just thought it was like, guys, everybody's freaking out about it. Like, it's just a movie. It's a movie. It's, a movie. it's just a movie. I thought it was great. I thought it was great. All right. Now, the most dramatic scene in Daniel Craig's era is Vesper's death in Venice. Yeah. Drowning. Um, they're underwater and she's trapped in the elevator and they're just looking at each other and she knows she's about to die crying. They both love each other. He's trying to break through. He's like, he's got his arm through, but he can't open the door anymore. So then she just backs away into the wall, the back wall of the elevator and lets herself drown. Very, very tragic. Goosebumps. Yeah. And then him trying to resuscitate her on the roof, man. So sad. Especially, you know, thinking he, she, she betrayed him. Yeah. Didn't, oh my gosh. Super sad. Very sad, man. <sighs> All right. Now, best cinematography. So at number five, Quantum of Solace is the worst cinematography of the, yeah. of the franchise. It's it's good, but it's just, it's fine. Ain't no it's Skyfall. Good. Yeah, ain't no Skyfall. Then at number four, we have Casino Royale. Solid. Yeah, it's not like exact, it's not really like beautiful or artistic, but it's great for the action and the poker scenes are shot really well. Yeah. A lot of control. Then Spectre. At number three, we got Hoyt Van Hoytema working under Sam Mendes. This film looks stunning. It's beautiful. Then our boy's back for No Time to Die as well. Oh, yeah. No Time to no, no time to Die was Linus. I thought it was Hoyt. Nope. Oh. Linus. Oh, well, Linus is great as yeah. well. Linus, he's uh, Damien Chazelle's cinematographer. I can't remember his last name. Linus Gondrin? Don- Sandrin. Sandrin. Thank you. Yeah. That's it. Really, like No Time to Die is fucking stunning. Beautiful film photography. It's all film. Some of it's IMAX film. Um, some of the Matera sequences, IMAX film footage. And it just looks stunning. A lot of great, like, natural light. I love the SWAT team rappelling down that building upside down. Yeah. With that beautiful purple-pink sunset in the background. Oh, my God. It's so stunning. And the, the action is great. I, I really love the cinematography of No Time to Die. They got to really die. creative, especially with the chase sequences and yeah. the Matera sequence. Mm-hmm. And then, like, even, like, that entire... Um, sequence of the lair at the end at, in, in the island. I really like the lighting in that. And then the set design of the tunnel. Yeah. And, he, and James shoots that guy, and it's just like... Perfect. It's the butt, gun barrel shot. Everybody in the theater, I remember when they showed that shot, everyone was like, oh, it's the gun barrel. It's just, yeah, it's, it's like, shit, like, <laughs> <gun barrel." laughs> Then, 
I mean, number one is going to be Skyfall. It has to be. It's Roger Deakins. Roger Deakins, and he working on this scale with this kind of budget. Oh, my God. It's amazing. Just the opening sequence of him walking into the light. James yes. Bond. James Bond's opening. He's out of focus down a hallway. He walks up, and he gets into the light in focus. Dude. Brilliant. Are you fucking kidding me? In a Bond movie? A Bond movie did, did that. Man, it's great. And there's so many sequences. Like, it was actually Deakins' idea uh, how the the... the What's the what's the henchman's name? Patrice. So the Patrice fight in the building in Shanghai, um, they weren't sure how to film it because they had a building in mind with LED decor, uh, decorative lights in, across the street, but like they couldn't afford it and it would be too complicated to film. But then Dinkins was like, why don't we just build the set in the soundstage and we can just put lights on the LED screens. And so it was actually Deacon's idea to do that and that's how they were able to film it practically. There you go. So none of that CGI, none of that's animation. Like they, they really put those neon lights and designs there in the background. Yeah, I think yeah, it's the best looking Bond film ever. It's just like uh, Shanghai, him on the boat with the lanterns. All of it. Yeah. Oh my silhouette god. silhouette shots, the Scotland sequences. Oh my god, Scotland looks great. Yeah, it looks yeah. great. <sighs> Man, just a close up of the bulldog on M's desk. I mean, it's all good. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> oh my god. All right, now let's get to the best. The best action sequences, so not just like a fight or a chase, but entire sequences. So, for example, the first one we have is, is the Day of the Dead opening inspector. So we get the long take, and then the chase, and then the fight inside the helicopter, and then the helicopter um, Bond takes control of it and flies away. It's a 20-minute sequence, I think, and it's just absolutely fantastic. It's the longest cold open in any James Bond movie ever. Is it really? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's awesome, but I think they put too much effort into that opening yeah. and not the rest of the film. Yeah, not enough attention was paid to the story, I think. Absolutely. And well, they were, they were writing that on the fly, too. Yeah. That one had a bunch of rewrites and reshoots. I think it was made during a strike, too. No, I think they were just having a tough time with yeah, it. Yeah, maybe, yeah. And then we have at number four, the finale of No Time to Die. So this is the entire mission going to the island. There's multiple elements to this part of the action sequences. So I love him in, in 008 taking out all the bad people, all the bad guys. The really bad people. The really bad people. Dad, are those bad people? <laughs> discovering about the viral threat that's going to be unleashed upon the earth. And then there's a great, great, great action scene of the stairwell long take. Oh, my God. It's so, so good. good. It's so good. It's so good. I, I want to know how long it took to do that because it's incredible. It's so well coordinated, and it looks like it took forever. Yeah. There is so much going on. And then ending it with the hand-to-hand -hand fight with Primo. Yes. You have to make it up all the stairwell with doing everything correctly and then a hand-to-hand -hand fight. And then Primo gets flipped over. Yeah. Like, that is not easy to do. And it, there's a lot of hand-to-hand -hand combat, lots of firearm work, but then also lots of uh, grenades and explosive work. So yeah. there are so many elements going on. Small, compact environment of a stairwell. Very dangerous. So that team, the stunt team, did an amazing job with that sequence. I, my, I was like freaking out. I was like, oh my god, they're not cutting it. They're not cutting it. Man. They're not cutting it. Amazing sequence. But that whole entire third act is just really fantastic in my opinion. All right, next sure. up we have the home invasion in Skyfall. Home alone, baby. It's great. Him and M setting up shop. Uh, booby trapping the place. It's fun. It's great. And I think it's both fun and the threat is different. It's a, I like the small scale. Me too. Uh, it works. We're it works. so used to end of the world, the nuke's about to get launched, timer countdown. We've seen it a thousand times. But in this film, I liked the small stakes, and I liked how personal it felt. So that entire home invasion sequence was great. 
Next up, we have Cuba and No Time to Die. We talked about it. With This is the sequence of Paloma at that bar in that restaurant. And it's post-Spectre, Blumfield getting inside James Bond's head, basically. Blumfield. Blo- Blofield. <laughs> Blofeld. Blofeld. <laughs> Ernst Blofeld. Finding James yeah, yeah. in the crowd and everything. Yeah. And awesome sequence. And we have Anna Armas with a machine gun. It's badass. And it's a great set. That set's fantastic. I believe they built that entire thing. The lighting's amazing, uh, but it's it's an epic sequence of events. We get the uh, all of Spectre dying, and then the shootout inside, and then they go outside, and then there's this fun back and forth between Nomi and Bond with uh, science. Yeah, yeah, the just like he's mine. No, he's mine. He's mine. I think it's really charming. They had a good back and forth too, and then Anna De Armas stealing the show, and, and I love. Um, she sees the guy on like the the building like catwalk so she drives into it and he falls down onto the car it's really <laughs> funny and then she remembers the cigar for felix at the end yeah it's great it's good stuff what do we got next the final the best action sequence is the opening of casino royale the entire chase um from starting with the animal fight was a snake verse of what's it called a mongoose Mo- what's is it the mongoose that snake versus yeah snake or snake and mongoose yeah, yeah is it a mongoose? i think so yeah and then, so it starts there. Um, James chasing his tar- the target all the way across. We mentioned plenty of times earlier the construction site, but then um, on foot, getting on top of the car, and then going through the embassy building. The embassy building's fantastic. He takes out a couple of guys, and then when he's caught, he blows the place up and escapes after he kills his target. Great. I think it's like a fifteen minute cold open. I then he disappears. Then he disappears. Jumps over like, the like bush Batman. with a bag. So that's what that feels like. <laughs> great, great action sequence. Yeah, but it was right. just like it, it kicked us off of understanding what these movies are going to be now. Absolutely. It, it set the stage for what was to come for Daniel Craig's James Bond era. Yeah. And my goodness, they pulled off some really terrific movies here. And for me, when I when I get asked the question of who's your favorite James Bond, who's the best James Bond, I think it always relates to who was your Bond in like your teenage years. It's similar to me with... Like Doctor Who, who's your favorite Doctor Who? Who, when you either start watching it or in your teenage years, like Matt Smith's my favorite Doctor Who, but I know that David Tennant's one of the best as well. Same and, with Spider Man. Yeah, Toby's our Spider Man, and Bond. Obviously, they're all great in different ways. And what James Bond, what Daniel Craig brought to James Bond was obviously a personal touch, but also, like I said at the beginning of the episode, it was a natural progression that was going to happen, grounding him in more reality, bringing vulnerability to the character. That's what was happening in cinema, especially with male characters today in the last 10, 15 years. So even though it was a reinvention, it was an inevitable step, no matter who was going to take on that role. But Daniel Craig did bring his own spice and seasoning to it. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, after watching Tomorrow Never Dies, I think I'm going to watch Goldeneye again. I really like Pierce Me too. as Bond. I, I really like him as Bond. Um, but I would say Daniel Craig was perfect for the what they were going for, and he he did what he he did it better than anybody who could have done. Um, I think Henry Cavill could have done a great job too. Yeah, Cavill could have been great. Uh, we'll never see that, unfortunately. He was just too young. Yeah, he, he was, was there, but he was 20, too young. Twenty-four like, or yeah. twenty-five, I think. He was like just done the Eternals, right? Uh, it's the Immortals. The Immortals, whatever. Yeah. No, he did the Immortals in like. 07, 07 it was yeah, after okay, 300 yeah. yeah and he was in his 20s in that yeah. so he was he was just way too young yeah he was too young but um he would he would have been great if they started uh these films later but i think craig was perfect for the tone 
and perfect for the style that they were going for. Even the look and the aesthetic yeah. of the character too. I, I liked how they changed it up. And people still get upset because he's blonde hair, blue eyed. It's like, no, yeah, I don't care. Yeah, it's okay, guys. But I mean, I gotta say, I, I really like Pierce. Me too. He the action. He's not as good with action, but again, I don't think they were focused too much on um, how good the action looked. They were going for lots of explosions, huge set pieces, because the hand to hand combat's terrible, and his gun use is really pretty bad the way he holds guns and fires guns sexy looking though the handguns yeah but he fires a uh, assault rifle a couple of times and tomorrow never dies and i was like who the fuck told him to hold it like that but he does drive a tank he, dude the, the tank is great yeah tank is great he that's what i'm saying it's more about the set pieces than it is about the uh legitimacy of what he's actually doing and when it comes to suave charming bond he's gotta be he's the best it. he's he lands every line so well he's I, yeah. so charming i completely agree i think that Pierce Brosnan was is the most charming Bond. Probably the best looking too, in my opinion. If I was gonna say, if I was gonna rank their looks, I would say Pierce's Pierce's number one. I, I'll try Pierce, then Dalton. Yeah, Dalton was a handsome guy, even though he was only in one. Then, um, then I would go Craig. For yeah, top three. but also Sean Connery in his era was yeah. a stud. Yeah, but he's very Connery was quite old. Yeah, he was. He was always old. quite old as Bond, but he was very masculine. So he was yeah. the most masculine of them all. Very tan, yeah. very tan, <laughs> very tan and hairy. Yeah. But Pierce, he Pierce, when it comes to the charm, the look, yeah, he's like the Bond. I think I really do. I think that Pierce Brosnan um, is the best Bond. However, the movies weren't good, and that's the problem. They are almost video games to an extent. Yeah. Obviously, Goldeneye. If the movies were better. And if they had better scripts and better villains, he was also he had he never had really very good villains to work with except True. for Sean Bean. Yeah, if his movies were better, he would be undeniably the best Bond. I think I agree, but yeah, he just was held back by the scripts and yeah. the stories. But he is he's really fucking great as Bond. He's great. But right now, Daniel Craig's still my favorite Bond. But growing up with great Pierce Brosnan and Pierce is just like close to my heart. That Bond is awesome. I love that Bond to death. All right, you got anything else on Daniel Craig's James Bond era? Daniel Craig's a fucking beast. I also think he really is one of the best actors working. And you say that way too often, man. Like when? You say it almost every episode. Every episode we talk about an actor, act, one never, of the best actors working. One of the best actors never said working that. today. Never said that. <laughs> every episode. I've never even said. We that need to make a life. compilation of Anthony saying that. Do it. Do it. It'd take way too long. Do it. It'd take me like a year. Bacardi and Cola. Do it. Do it. Uh, but I do think that people aren't maybe most people aren't aware of how talented he is because he's the Bond films take a long time to film. They're a big commitment to a schedule, a year of shooting and press, and so they're a huge beasts that you know they prevent you him from doing other projects. So I think that in the next ten years, people, I'm just really curious to see what he does as a as a film actor because I mean, Knives Out is great. That's another example of like, wow, this guy's really great. Yeah, and post Bond, I mean, Dragon Tattoo is an awesome performance as well. Oh, yeah. Post Bond, he is entering his mid fifties now ish, yeah. right? So yeah. maybe f less roles. I wonder. I'd like to see him do less action and keep doing stuff that he's been doing. You know, Knives Out, Dragon Tattoo. There's a little action Dragon Tattoo, but he's not an action star. Although he's way too jacked in that movie because he did that in between Bonds. <laughs> <laughs> but I saw, I read an interview where he's like, yeah, I was trying to put on some weight to make him look less uh, fit, and I was like, dude, you look fucking shredded in that. Yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> he's wearing a sweater as as uh, Blumkamp, and I'm like, he's just way too jacked. <laughs> to There's be no way Blumkamp looks like this. A journalist is just shredded. <laughs> but I mean, Blumkamp. Blumkamp. Yeah. Sorry. Mikkel Blumkamp. Yes, exactly. Yes, Mikkel. Yes. And but he's awesome. He's a great actor. I can't wait to see who's selected as the next Bond. Dude, it's going to be... I called Aaron Taylor Johnson months ago. Yeah, well, we, we called it last year. Last year. That was our top choice last year. It's going to happen, man. 
I think it will happen. I mean, if if I was gonna make a Bond movie, he would be my number one pick, especially after Bullet Train. Yeah, Bullet Train. Not a lot of people know him by name, really. Obviously, I think Craven will change that. Craven the Hunter when it eventually comes out in twenty (laughs) eighty. Even though it's done, nobody alive will see Craven because even even uh, when we had shits and gigs on, they didn't know Aaron Taylor Johnson by name, and they're from the UK. Yeah, so I think that film most film people know who Aaron Taylor Johnson is. A lot of people don't even realize he's in Tenet. He's Eames at the end of Tenet. He's he's a Tenet agent as well as I mean he was Kick Ass. He's just he was he's been dumb. He just hasn't ever had that big hit as a lead role. Yeah, I guess not a huge hit. You You need to be like. He hasn't had that superstar lead role. But Bullet Train, a lot of people saw him as that kind of cool, charismatic, wearing a suit, badass action star in a lot of ways. And I think that movie was big for him to like kind of get in the idea of being cast as Bond in the future. Plus, he's like one of the best actors working He's awesome. Today. He really is. He's terrific. <laughs> you didn't get it. What? I said it. What? He's one of the best oh, yeah. actors working. <laughs> <laughs> He's ter- I mean, Anna Karenina, he's great. Oh, he's he, so good in he's that. He's a terrific he's actor. He's so good in Anna Karenina. Yeah, he's one of the best working today. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, he's, he's fucking good-looking man, too. He's hot, man. He's got good Just genes. say it, he's hot. He's got he's good genes. Bond needs to be hot as fuck. He needs to be hot. He's got to be hot. Yeah. But, yeah, I think I think Aaron Taylor Johnson has it. So, I, I think I'm he's the number one front You say that every episode. He has it. Whatever it is... <laughs> Yes. That's not true. <laughs> not even close. Not even close to as many times as you say best actor working today. Literally, best actor working today, it feels like it's a hot key on the, <laughs> like, <laughs> on the sound pad. It's like a soundboard. <laughs> dum, dum, dum. Best actor working today. <laughs> All right. That wraps our episode on Daniel Craig's James Bond. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. Almost running two hours today. Damn. It was such a blast. We've done episodes on No Time to Die and an episode on Skyfall in the past. So definitely check those out if you haven't tuned into them. One, no Time to Die was obviously 2021 when yeah. it came out. And then Skyfall we did like two years ago. And check those solo episodes out if you haven't seen them in a while. Go revisit them. They're bangers. We'll, I'm sure we'll cover Casino Royale soon. Oh, sorry. I'm, I forgot a b- best moment. I have a favorite moment of all oh the God. films. He has a favorite moment, everybody. I guess the, we're not ending the episode. The end of Casino Royale. When he shoots Mr. White in the leg, shows up and he uh, the camera pans up and he's holding the machine gun, and then he says, "Bond, James Bond." That's my favorite moment of all the films. Too much on the spot now for my favorite moment. Uh, if I had to pick real quick, favorite moment from Daniel Craig's James Bond. Um, I think when he cleans up in Skyfall, suit, car, everything. Oh, nice. Go. Like he's back in yeah, action. He's back. He's yeah. got the suit armor pick. on. Yeah. Cool. All right. Or also in No Time to Die with the Aston Martin. It's cool. Here goes James with six choices. <laughs> <laughs> See what I'm dealing with here? <laughs> I'm right. Well, if you want to support our show, you can become a patron today at patreon.com slash Raiders of the Lost Podcast. Every patron has access to two weekly bonus episodes as well as the ad-free experience of Raiders of the Lost Podcast is going on Patreon right now, ad-free version of this episode as well. If you are minimum five tier, ad-free five dollar tier, five dollar yeah. tier. Is that what I said? You said at minimum five tier, minimum five dollar <laughs> tier to get the ad-free experience of the show. Patreon supports the show immensely. It's the only reason why we can pay the rent and do the show full time. Thank you so much. Leave those five star ratings on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. We'd love to read them out, and we'll see you next time. Oh, I took it. That's my line. line. Take care, everybody. See you next time. <laughs> <laughs> you can say a little bit. 
This episode was executive produced by our chosen one patrons, Cody Moen, Andrew Hagen, Benjamin Cook, Calvin Murphy Griggs, Darian, Tyler McFly, and Sal Koching. Our chosen one patrons are our biggest supporters. Thank you so much. Thank you for watching Raiders of the Lost podcast. Be sure to hit that subscribe button, hit the like button as well, notifications for sure. Listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere you can listen to podcasts. And be sure to check out this other content we have on our YouTube channel.